0: for now, Frankenstein! I know I'd go
1: from rags to return <laughs>
0: Why, a four-year-old child could understand this report. Run out and find me a four-year-old child. I can't
2: make a head or tail out of it. Farabelli, you've got the brain of a riches. four-year-old boy, and I bet he was glad to get rid of it.
0: And welcome back to YLS, the Top 100 Scenes series. Uh, I hate the Breakfast Club and love John Cassavetes. It's me, Kirk Kalkowski. No, I'm not going to do that. Anyway, uh, we got a good panel for you tonight. Uh, As always, it's the same panel that's been like the past whatever many weeks. Anyway, Jack, do you think you will fare
3: better or worse with me on the panel tonight? I don't know. Because there's, there's uh, certain picks I have that I think you will like a whole lot more than Kirk. But then again, there's picks on this list here that Kirk would uh, would have really liked. So uh, I don't know. Uh, it should be interesting though.
0: That's fair, uh, Cody. Uh, you can just you know make my life worse if I if I'm too mean to you tonight. So that's probably a comforting.
1: Yeah, if I win tonight, justice has been served. If I lose, that means King's King's been biased. So, you know, there's a lot of things that I can invoke right off the bat. Uh, But no, I'm excited for the show. I'm kind of upset because I think there's a scene on my list that would have done really well in Kirk's Eyes. But um, the immune system of everybody on this show is very low. Because we're two for two in sicknesses,
0: so this is a great time. So that's valid. Hey Paul, where's Jake? Do you know where Jake is? Okay. Jake.
4: You is what
0: are you doing? <laughs>
4: You know,
1: a giveaway an In and Out. An In and Out T-shirt from two Australians. I,
5: I think we just watched a scene from Inland Empire, right there. <laughs> I just went to get a drink.
2: I don't know what the hell he's doing.
1: Not as good. He's not convincing that. when they have an American T-shirt.
3: On. You changed the shirt, Paul. Why didn't you realize that? Oh, Jake, did you hear
0: that? I was like, "Hey, Paul, where's Jake?" Oh,
2: I had everything. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> Fair
5: enough. That, that was your pack, Scott. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Hi. Um, yeah, genuinely that kangaroo mask does look like one of the rabbit masks from, uh, from Inland Empire, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Um, I was saying beforehand, I actually think I'm going to do better. Um, significantly better this could have been my one of my worst weeks if kirk had been here and obviously he's going to be the judge of the final list so i'm sure i would get my consequences in due time but we can delay them a little bit longer tonight
0: That's uh, well anyway jack we'll start with you for your 40 through 38
3: all right uh by 40 uh one that kirk would have really liked had he been here uh the blood test from 1982 is the thing uh 39 is uh day 6 from prisoners or the car scene from prisoners uh which I think Cody had as well uh last week and 38 is the boulder scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark uh okay then uh the blood test uh this scene is brilliant uh it's carpenter is perfect at crafting uh tension and this scene is one of the most tense scenes i've ever seen in film history it's uh basically at this point in the film uh everyone believes macready is the thing and so in order to prove both his innocence and to find out who's actually the thing he has every single person uh in the crew tied up in uh, a room, and he draws blood from them all and heats up a, a, a needle and starts poking at the blood because, well, in order to figure out who the thing is. And the oh, this scene is brilliant. I saw it in the theater with my uncle, and uh, that uh, was one of the greatest movie theater experiences ever. But uh, having seen it a couple more times since then, this would be higher if I were to redo this list today. Uh, probably top 25. It's, it's incredible. Uh, day six prisoners. Uh, this is the scene. I uh, This is the scene that I think of every time I think of prisoners. Uh, there's plenty of scenes that I could have picked uh, any, any scene between Paul Dano and Hugh Jackman. Uh, the the car uh, scene at the end of the film uh, and but this is the scene I picked it's possibly Hugh Jackman's best just moment uh, I've ever seen uh, him on an acting level he's at his wits end here he uh, basically so he uh, he's walking to uh, the house that he's keeping Paul Dano in. Uh, he finds he figures out that he's being followed by Jake Gyllenhaal. hall he walks into a liquor store uh nearby he goes to uh jake Gyllenhaal hall and asks him why he's following me and gets invited into the car he explains that he's never had that he hasn't had a drink in nine years and he's at the absolute end of his rope and he says it's been six days since my daughter's been taken every day she's wondering why i'm not there to protect her it's heartbreaking every i can't think about this uh scene without getting uh emotional it's just it's a such a tough scene to watch and jackman sells it did
0: did you say you had this one last week
1: yeah
0: so you can about it
1: um. Yeah, I think I think this is the scene from Prisoners I like. I think I like there's I like the overall movie, but this is the scene where he's just like basically he's like sorry that I'm I'm doing everything I can because my daughter's wondering where, where why I'm not there. So uh, and then, then he goes through the spiel of like you know after 48 hours hardly anybody's found after six after a week and then a month no one's ever found again. Blah blah. blah and, Jake Gyllenhaal reminds him, he's like, it's not been seven days, it's been six. You're right, six. And he's like, sorry if I'm not the guy I'm supposed to be in this moment. Like he That's his real emotion. And I've been on, I've said on wireless before, like Hugh Jackman's hit or miss for me as an actor. I don't think he's that great of an actor because he falls into the tropes of playing Wolverine for so long in his career. So then when he just, every time he rages, it sounds like, you know, he's about to, his claws are about to come out. But in this scene, you can just feel the real passion about him losing his son, his kid, and not his daughter, and not getting her back. And the weight of everything, because he's questioning him about the loss, which he's clearly not locked up. Like So like he's completely descended into madness at this point, and there's no way to get out of it. So I, I think it's the best scene from Prisoners.
3: yeah and then uh my 38 was the boulder scene from raiders of the lost ark this is one of the greatest introductions to a character ever uh indy is one of the most uh uh, resourceful uh people and you find that out seconds into this film and it's one of the most iconic scenes when he takes the bag full of sand quickly switches the uh, switches it out with the idol and he thinks it's uh he's all good and then he hears uh i think I, he hears like the clicks and he realizes shit and bolts it because he knows something's wrong and the boulder comes down and he's uh and he's running away from the boulder it's one of the greatest opening scenes in an action film but just in film in general harrison ford uh one and it, a great introduction to one of the greatest characters ever put the film uh it's one of spielberg's best directed scenes uh i love this scene i could watch it any day
0: yeah uh so your 40 was the blood blood test from the thing this is a great scene like this is a fantastic uh tension builder of just like going through every person and like i i think that's i think part of like where the tension comes from of all the people beforehand who have their blood tested and they're fine. And you're just like, well, it has to be it just the way that window just slowly, slowly shrinks of who it has to be before the actual reveal is great. Uh, yeah, great scene, great pick. You're 39, uh, the pres- day six from Prisoners. This is a good scene. I don't know if I'm high on it as you and Cody are for me. Like, this doesn't hit a top prisoner scene for me. I don't really think of this moment it's a good acting performance moment uh it is probably hugh jackman's best moment in the movie so i get why you would pick that jack because you're obsessed with the guy but overall this this isn't a bad scene by any means but it doesn't necessarily tilt the needle for me either uh and then 38 yeah well i the fact that no one else had this i kind of judge you all because this is I, i i know it's a basic pick but sometimes Sometimes a chocolate chip cookie is a chocolate chip cookie. You know, it's basic, but are you really going to turn down a chocolate chip cookie? Um, and I that that's how I feel about the boulder scene from Raiders. Like, yeah, it's basic, but it's basic because it is so good. Uh, so yeah, no, the boulder, like this is a great way to introduce the character. And like now going back to the hat is like such like a cliche, like, oh yeah, but like, It wasn't at the time, and it really is such, like, a great character moment of, yeah, this is the action protagonist, but, yeah, he's going to go back for his hat and, like, grab it, and he's not just going to leave it alone, and I think that's, like, just a great little character-building introduction moment. So, yeah, Uh, Raiders, great pick. Cody, over to you for your 40 through thirty eight. Well,
1: yeah, you got to realize um, that's that's Jack's list. It's a lot of the chocolate chip cookies, not a lot of substance because he doesn't know how to talk or like any of these scenes. He just wants to make sure he doesn't miss anything. Um, and, yes, chocolate chip cookies are good.
0: I'm sorry. A bowl- I, I, I need to address something in the chat because someone just made the most psychopathic decision – you can't like oatmeal raisin over a chocolate chip
1: depends depends on the mood. My dad, I'm saying, what did he say? Hey. I'm saying if there's a chocolate chip cookie but there's a bowl of ice cream, I'm going to the bowl of ice cream. Like you got to realize like, you know, you may like the chocolate chip cookie because it's a chocolate chip cookie, but dang, ice cream slaps on the right. Well okay, okay anyways
3: you no, don't want an
0: oatmeal raisin cookie that's dude
1: that's oatmeal cookies are fire yeah um oatmeal chocolate chip even better anyways oatmeal let's fire. move on
0: raisins suck
1: you're not wrong um okay um okay so my number 40 is King Kong ain't got shit on me Alonzo Harris from Train Day uh I didn't specify this because I rewatched this movie today. And the amount of phone calls that happen inside Dog Day Afternoon, I'm interested to see which Boatman, which, which one he thinks that I'm talking about in, when I say phone call from this. Do you know which one?
0: See, I, I I, was I was not certain. I thought you were talking about the one between him and the inspector, uh, Charles Durning. Is that what you were talking about? Uh, yes, that's the one I'm talking okay. about. Okay, good. Then we are on the same. Okay, but I just realized how many phone calls
1: that are actually taking place since I dug it. It's a very bad uh, reference. Um, and then uh, my number 30... Uh, thir- oh, did I flip it? I did. Sorry, Coho. I, did I? I don't know why I did that, but my 39 is the end of Shutter Island, and my 38 is do- the phone call from Dr.
0: I th- yeah because okay. that's what you sent to me was the other order.
1: But- okay, okay, um, okay. So forty King Kong. Said so this before. Denzel Washington deserved his Oscar for this. It wasn't a makeup Oscar. He deserved the Oscar. I think he's absolutely incredible in this film. Um, I honestly wish he played more of a bad guy more often, um, because I think he's absolutely incredible as the bad guy. Um, basically, if you haven't seen Training Day or you haven't seen in a while. The jig is up he is out he has he everybody has turned on him he has nobody but alonzo harris still does not see that as it's said uh ethan hawk's walking away at the beginning of the scene he's saying we'll get back here they're holding the gun to his head and he basically says i am the police like i'm gonna put a i'm opening cases on every single one of you guys right here and now 23 hour lockdown uh, no no uh, outside time and then basically is like, you can shoot me, you can shoot me as much as you want, but you can't kill me. King Kong ain't got shit on me. It's a famous line. He's bleeding, but he's like telling everybody that even though when people are walking away and he's finally lost all his power, he still believes he is the strongest man alive. He gets in his car and he starts driving, and then he ends up getting uh, blocked in and. Fire rains down, he dies, and he nobody dies better than the in this movie. The man takes about four thousand bullets basically and just like against the car and he ends up dying. I think it's just incredible of a scene. Um uh yeah. Uh, my thirty nine, which is now the end of Shutter Island. Into shutter Island, again, when people think of Scorsese's movies and they think of Shutter Island, it's probably in that mid range for a lot of people or lower. I think this movie deserves a lot more credit than it deserves and basically it's how much you pick up the more you watch this movie about how many people are in on it how many people are not basically I don't want to give everything away, but the ending of shutter island is when he is sitting on the when he's sitting on the steps. And talking to Ruffalo, and he's still in the character of, I can't think of the character's name off the top of my head, but he's sitting there talking about him being the being the police officer and be like, man, we almost had him. We're doing this, blah, blah. Mark Ruffalo looks over at uh, Ben Kingsley's character and just shakes his head no. And he then sends the guards over because he's about to get, like, I think it's lobotomized. I think he's about to go, like, get completely, like, basically wiped almost. And he ends up standing up and looking at Ruffalo and basically says, you know, it's better to live. Uh, I'm going to mess with the car. I'm terrible at this. I'm Andrew Barr myself, but it's better to live like a good person than, you know, live in a monster, whatever. It's basically, it better, I'd rather.
0: Is it better to die as a monster or live as. Or is it better it, to live as a monster? Live as a good than man than die as a monster. Again, I
1: don't. I don't yeah. <laughs>
2: No, what, it, what is percent the...
0: of the time, I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about.
2: Yeah. <laughs> is it better to live as a monster or die as a good man?
4: Yeah.
1: That's the quote. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Again, I wasn't going to, end up going to quote, but he and as soon as he says that, he stands up and he starts walking Ruffalo. away, and Ruffalo's face completely changes and realizes that he may be making a grave mistake because he is as coherent as he can be he just can't live with himself for what he did in his past. Basically, is how it ends, and he just walks off, and he gives him a smart, like he gives him a smile when he walks, and it's just like, and him and Kingsley have the of interaction, like we've just sentenced him to, but he was unconscious conscious to make the decision. I think it's absolutely incredible. And thirty eight again, kind of mad that uh, uh, Kirk isn't here with the phone call from Dog Day. I just love this scene. I love Dog Day. Just. Um, Without Kirk or not, I just think this is one of Piccino's absolute best performances. Um, I was I was not as high on it. Um, I think this is one of the most like revolutionary films of that time frame of what they what they. I remember thinking that and watching it today. I was still like, wow, like the stuff they go for in the seventies at this time. I think it's just crazy. Um, but it's, it's fantastic. And I still think it holds up. But him and the Mason's call with basically going through the negotiations with the interrogation, like their back and forth, it just shows how strong of an actor uh Pacino really is. And I can't think of the actor right now that plays Charles Durden. Expect, Charles Durden. Their back and forth is just like Fantastic. As much as Pacino gets praised for this performance, I think Charles Dern should get just equal of how good he is in this movie, uh, alongside with Pacino. So, yeah. I won't go into much, but yeah, the phone call.
0: Yeah. Uh, So, your 40 King Kong training day. I think that this scene has been memed and mocked, and honestly, all of its power should logically have been taken away. Because, like, it's it's been mean to death. It really hasn't. It's still a great scene. Uh, even with all the memes and jokes and parodies of it. It's still a great scene. It's still a fantastic acting moment from Denzel. I don't think... I know some people say like he's going too over the top with it. I completely disagree. I think he is... Giving a lot of intensity and anger and energy, but that's exactly what he should be giving here. Great pick, yeah. No, this is solid pick. Uh, ending a Shutter Island. I'm with you, Cody. I think that people are really hard on uh, this. Not really hard in this movie, but people consider this low to mid tier Scorsese, and I think this is re- really on the higher half of the spectrum at the very least. This is a great movie and I think the ending is one of the best parts about it. And that moment where you're like, how much does you know Daniels actually know? How much is he like, you know, like does he really know all this? And he's just kind of decided that he's gonna live in denial and die being a good man. And I think that's a great little moment. I don't know how much I go back to this as a scene as much as this is a moment, but it's still a good pick. So I'm not going to begrudge you that a uh, phone call from dog day. This is, a, I, I was a little puzzled by this uh, purely because I don't know if this is one of the dog day scenes I think of, but it is a good scene. It is a good scene. Um, Cause I think you do have Derning who, is one of the most underrated character actors in my opinion. Durning always kills it and doesn't get enough credit for killing it. He's really good in this movie, and work him working off Pacino on the phone. I think is really good. I think there are better scenes in Dog Day, and I don't know. Maybe you do have them higher, but I, I think there are better Dog Day scenes. But I'm you're certainly not going to lose anything for having this one because it's
2: it's a good point, good scene. Uh, so Jake,
0: over to you for your forty through thirty-eight.
2: All right. So my number forty is the worst toilet in Scotland from Train Spotting. Uh, number thirty-nine, The Bride versus Oren Ishii from uh, Kilby Volume One. And my number thirty-eight is Victor's trip to Europe from Rules of Attraction. All right, so my number 40 is just after the montage, the opening uh, title sequence. uh, At this point, Renton has decided to get off uh, heroin, um, and he decides he's going to take suppositories. So he goes and meets up with Mickey Forster uh, and shoves it up his ass, as you do with suppositories. Uh, But however, since he's no longer taking heroin, uh, he is no longer constipated, and he needs to take a shit. Uh, And he unfortunately finds himself at the worst toilet in Scotland to do so. Um which then leads to him accidentally shitting out the suppositories and him having to try and grab it, which then leads to a fantasy sequence in which he is inside the, inside the toilet, swimming around, trying to get his uh, suppositories. I love this scene because it essentially just acts as a metaphor for heroin and drugs. It's dirty, it's horrible, but on the other side, it's beautiful, it's euphoric for the people who take the drugs, and that's why it's so... And also just really plays into Danny Boyle's like stylistic uh, choices and how... Some things don't have to be based in reality. He can be quite surreal with his uh, imagery, and uh, the sort of the set piece behind it is just uh, really funny to watch. Um, and yes, it's slightly uh, gagging to watch him go through the toilet, but uh, it all well, works it for the and This is the only. This- Two scenes on my top, you know, my tie one hundred involved this, and this is the the, the, the last one. Jesus, that's Christ. too, too many, Jake. <laughs> uh, well, two, no, you know, um, but you know, it's also just great because it's just you get to see rented, uh, you get to see those um Uma Gray just really play up you know, the physical comedy of the scene, and uh, it's uh it's really great. So yeah, my <laughs> uh, number thirty nine, The Bride vs. Owen Ishii this is right after the crazy 88 battle and that is completely chaotic the way the camera is designed and it goes through the entire she just d- destroys almost everyone there when we go to the next scene after this it's her and it's just very static it's just it's her and Oren Ishii they have this history this is her number her first person on her list we have a cover of don't let Debbie misunderstood which is a banger song and a banger cover and yeah, the fighting isn't as crazy as it was in, with the crazy 88s it's just a very personal battle between these two Oren gets a slice on bride they have this whole little back and forth of like of what happened between the two and then for and Orens just like for everything that happened I'm sorry and even though they even though she feels a little bit remorse the bride knows that this is what she has to do they have this fight and then it ends with her cutting off Oren's head, um, which is great. And then she's like, oh. so that really was a Hattori Hanzo sword. Um, and and with that, the bride has completed her first uh, kill on her list. Um, and then my number 38, uh, Victor's trip to Europe from Rules of Attraction. Um, this is a thing that just comes out of nowhere. One of the guys, Victor, is on a trip to Europe, and we basically just had this whole montage of just this entire three-week trip uh, around Europe um, and the way that it is edited and shot and the the uh, the monologue, just the, the voiceover from from Victor is just so quick of like, I did this and did this and, and just all the way through, just the chaotic energy of it is just so frenetic and just unlike any other montage you've seen, like it's it's done so well to the point where it's just like so much happened and the way that they really shot this, that Roger Avery and the guy who played Victor just went around Europe for three weeks and he would just film everything um, and there's a lot of it that was not shown because they made a short film out of it called Glitterati. And legally, you cannot watch it because it was involved with an actual bombing that happened when they were in Europe. Um, you see a little bit of it in the montage, but the, ed- the editing and the energy and everything that you show is just so, like, real and just feels like something that, like, an early 20-year-old would totally do. And it's just, like, really, really fun to watch. Um, absolutely chaotic, but in a, in a really fun way.
0: Hey uh so yeah no this worst toilet in Scotland you're not going to lose points for it cuz I do think your point about the the metaphor is fair but still it's a scene where you and McGregor crawl around and shit and I don't think that really deserves to be on the top 100 personally uh so I'm I'm not really going to give you you're not going to get points for it, you're not going to lose points for it uh the bride versus Oren this is a really good scene. This to me is like legitimately one of the best like sword fights in cinema. I'm not really a big sword fight movies guy. Uh, I just usually find myself losing interest after a while. I think this is a way to do a sword duel and make it interesting and really visually spectacular. Great pick. Fantastic choice from this. Uh, and then. Uh, the Victor's trip to Europe, forms of Attraction. Maybe it's because I haven't seen the full movie in context. And I, I get your points about the way this scene is shot and edited. And it's it's a neat, it looks like a neat film school short. It doesn't really seem like a great scene to me. It's, it's like a neat little film school short of like, oh, fast-paced MTV cut, cut, cut style. I, I just don't, find it all that intriguing, um, the actual things that are happening in this scene. So yeah, uh, Scott, over to you.
5: All right. Um, At number 40, I have the kitchen scene from Jurassic Park. Okay. 39, I have the scene of Lou singing at the party from Sound of Metal. Okay. And 38, I have one of the greatest speeches in the film. It's Carl Malden's speech at the docks and on the waterfront. Okay. Nobody had it. All right. Uh, 40, Uh, the kitchen scene from Jurassic Park. Yeah, this is my favorite scene from Jurassic Park. Um, You know, you're spoiled for choice, really. But I like this one because it is like, somewhat grounded in reality like the dinosaurs are in this real setting that we have all seen before of a kitchen this is really like the first time we see them kind of like indoors again in this realistic setting and obviously you know the kids are hiding and it's very tense and obviously the cgi and everything and the dinosaurs is top-notch never been better and just see again seeing them in this environment is really cool and you really do feel in the best moments of this movie especially in the scene that the the characters are in real actual danger from these dinosaurs and i think that's never more true than in this scene and um and their escape and the tension again he uses silence really well in a movie that you think of as being you know allowed um special effects driven, you know, John Williams driven movie. Um, There's some, some good silent moments here. So it's, you know, banger scene from a banger film Uh, 39 uh, lose scene from sound of metal. Yeah. So this movie to me, even though it ends on a little bit of a hopeful note, it is one of the saddest movies that I've seen in a long time. Um, Just the, the idea of somebody, all of a sudden in the blink of an eye losing everything that like was important to them and like not being able to explain why there being no way to fix it. No way to get it back. Um, is just like a heartbreaking idea. And this is towards the end of the movie when Ruben has paid to have the implants and, um, you know, believes that this is sort of his shot. He spent all of his money, um, spent all of his shot, uh, spent all of his money to get these implants and, um, you know thinking that this is his one shot to get everything back and he goes to visit lou his ex-girlfriend olivia cook's character and thinks you know maybe he can get her back maybe they can get back what they once had in this band together and it ends up with her singing at the piano with her father and it's brilliant the way the scene is edited and the sound obviously and all of that won academy awards and deservedly so um because we start off and we just hear her singing and we hear that she's singing you know and it's very lovely it's very beautiful to listen to you know again she they made their name together with her singing and then as it goes on you know there's just that like sort of moment where the editing changes and we hear what Ruben is hearing and it's nonsense basically it's garbled it's distorted it sounds terrible and just the look on his face and in that moment is such a devastating moment of that is when he finally has to accept he's never going to get it back again. He's never gonna hear the music the same again. He's never gonna have Lou back again. She's moved on with her life. Um, it's, it's you know, again, it's it's that moment where he finally has to accept what his fate is despite trying to sort of deny it for much of the movie. So I think it's an underrated scene, underrated film. 2020, you know, people t- tend to think on it and be like, well, there are no movies that came out this year. This was COVID. This movie came out in 2020. It was one of the best movies from 2020. And uh, more people should should check it out. 38, Carl um, Malden speech. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is probably my favorite performance in a movie that has like three or four all-time performances in it. Um, this is, you know, just such a powerful speech. In the context of the movie, yes, of course, the the mob have been, you know, injuring and killing people who are um, speaking out against them. Um, And, you know, Carl Malden decides he's not going to be afraid of them. He's going to, as the priest, he's going to just, you know, right here in front of everyone, in front of the, you know, sort of regular folks, he's going to... On the one hand, you know, warn them about the danger, but also on the other hand, sort of chastise them for not doing anything about it. Right. For standing by when they know what's going on and being afraid to to stand up to the mob. Um, And, you know, he's quoting the Bible and he's saying, you know, what happened to these guys? There was a crucifixion and um, saying, you know, that quote quoting the Bible and saying, you know, whatever you do to the least of me, you do to me and. Um, you know, then comparing that to the, the people who are there watching, again, all the normal folks um, who have the power to stand up to them. And, it, you know, it, it's a, again, it's a good scene in the context of the movie, but also just the, the broader context of it, it doesn't just apply to, like, the mob in the context of this movie. Um, you can think about it in a lot of real-world scenarios, the idea that the people who are not standing up to the bad guys are complicit um as much as those who are out here you know performing the terrible acts um and so it it has resonance um you know even deep into today and Carl Malden's just you know commanding big voice presence in this scene um is perfect I don't think anyone else could have performed this speech the way that he does so it's a great scene
0: yeah, uh, so your 40 was um, what, sorry, remind me with the co can you put the 40 Jurassic up? Park. Jurassic Park, thank you. Uh, your 40 was the kitchen scene from Jurassic Park. Uh, this is my favorite scene from Jurassic Park. This is a great pick. Uh, I think the, the way I think things are almost more tense when they're smaller. And I think just removing everything else, just kids in the kitchen, on the other side of the door, you have Raptors. Boom, there's your scene. I think it's so brilliant. Spielberg doesn't get enough credit because he is such an epic director, but he doesn't get enough credit for being able to do these like small little intimate moments in a way that still feel very large. And I think that's exactly what he does here. Fantastic pick. Just the little door jiggle is just such a great detail. Uh, you're 39... Was things uh, at the party from sentimental. Uh, this is a scene when you picked it. I was like, hmm. and then I watched the scene again, and I totally get it. Uh, this is this is a really good moment. I think that when you actually hear like how he's hearing it and the the kind of disconnect between what it actually sounds like is a really good scene. And just I think Riz Ahmed. Does a lot of heavy lifting with his acting here. I think this is a really great performance from him. And but yeah, like uh, the sound design in this movie is so good. Like it, it's a movie that just sounds great and is so well designed sound wise. Um, and then your thirty eight, yeah, uh, I I'm sure Kirk likes this scene, but you, you kind of lucked out that uh, you you got me this this week as this is uh, an all-timer for me. Uh, I love this scene. Uh, I, I love uh, his line of, and I say anyone who sees something and doesn't say anything about it is as guilty as the Roman soldier who pierced Christ's flesh. Like, oh my gosh. And you can just see the way it's, like, hitting Terry. And the way she's, like, eating weapons. But then, like, all the other reactions. I love, like, just the way this scene is, like, shot and, like, set. Where, like, he's down there and then you have,
5: like,
0: everyone kind of all along the sides going up and up until at the very top you have Lee J. Cobb and Rod Steiger symbolizing that they are at the very top of this pyramid. So I think that's, like, a really great, like, visual metaphor going on there. And yeah, I love this speech. Malden is one of my favorite performances of all time. So yeah, you picked a good week to have me, Scott. Uh, so now the gloves come off. Everybody can talk about everybody. So Jack, go ahead. 37 through 34.
3: All right. Uh, my 37 is the filibuster from Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Okay. Yeah. This scene is brilliant uh for those that have never seen this film uh for those that oh yeah uh for those that've never seen this film at this point uh James Stewart's uh, uh Jefferson Smith has been uh torn apart discredited and uh basically had his entire character, shattered in front of all these politicians and, uh, and he know because he knows, uh, of the corruption that's going on. And, uh, he takes a stand in front of the, I uh, I'm, I'm going to say Senate, even though I'm not entirely sure that's correct. I'm not American. So what, what do I know? But, uh, he take, he takes a stand in front of all these politicians, uh, and will not give up the floor until, uh, until uh he's been heard he he's and the performance uh from claude rains in the scene is fantastic but it's jimmy stewart when he is so tired he stands for hours almost almost a full day and he just his voice is completely gone he cannot speak he can barely stand and when all the letters get brought in and he just collapses, you you feel just absolutely drained by this scene, this performance, this entire film. I love this scene. I love this performance. It's absolutely brilliant, and I'm honestly very surprised no one else uh, no one else had it earlier on their list, but that's okay. Uh,
0: yeah, no, this is a brilliantly done scene. Uh, I am a little surprised that no one else has this because not only is this one of Jimmy Stewart's finest moments of acting, but the way this scene is set up of basically this person who is, he's right. He is in the absolute right. And he is just clamoring for anything in the face of basically this overwhelming defeat. And he's on his last legs. And I think that's so beautiful. I love his speech. Stuart's acting kills it and then at the end you have Claude Rains coming in being like, No, he's right. And I yeah. Brilliant, brilliant moment, brilliant, brilliant scene. Why did all of you not have this?
2: I've not seen the movie. Well
0: that's that's still a you problem.
1: It is. Um I mean I don't blame uh, Jake for not seeing it. Um, he's not American. It probably doesn't have the same weight. Um, when I thought about it, do I think do I th- do I think it's is like one of the greatest performances? Yes. Do I love the filibuster scene as much as everybody else? No. I think it's great. But I overall just like the movie. I don't like. I would. Some of these scenes I picked, I go back and just watch the scenes almost, or where they're a thing. This one, I just don't do that to it. I and mean, then it's Coho's favorite actor, second favorite actor, so I was not going to put him on my list. It was going to happen.
0: That's that's a, a it's honestly weird that you let Coho live that rent free in your head. To be honest, like you're you're basically he live he doesn't live rent free. Well,
1: he right, would get more uh, pleasure uh, yeah. out of it if I put it.
0: He likes Jimmy Stewart. Fair. Sure. Anyway, we're going to, Scott, what do you think? Um,
5: yeah, I mean, objectively, objectively, a gra- object- objectively a great scene, objectively a, um, iconic scene. Um, I, I'm not trying to hound, uh, Jack too much. Like Cody is about picking like the IMDB scenes, but this is definitely one of them. Um, and I just don't know that for me, at least there's anything that interesting to say about it. So while I enjoy, enjoy it, um, it wasn't going to make my favorites list.
1: I think that I think that's just what we, what some of us have done is just pick scenes that we don't really hear much about the filibuster we've heard about. And we just talked about it at length in Top 100 Performances also, so I didn't want to bring it right back for the next one as well. So. Fair. Fair. Anyway,
0: uh, Jack, we go to your 36.
3: Alright, uh, my 36. Uh, this one's not an IMDB pick. I'll just say that right now. Because it's Logan's death from Logan. Yeah. Uh, Hugh Jackman strikes again on my list. No,
1: this scene is... Which one? <laughs> there, there's two in the movie. I just okay, need to know fine, which one. Fine. The I've one never in the after the,
3: uh, the... From the Berserker Rage to when he actually dies. If that helps. Uh, Not the end version. Yeah. This... <laughs> <laughs> This scene's fantastic. Uh, I, I've i said it a number, number of times on this show before and just in general conversation. Uh, Hugh Jackman, Wolverine, the X-Men movies are uh, like what made me fall in love with superhero movies long before the MCU ever did. And uh, I grew up with Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. And to see this happen, uh, something that I never... Had previously thought possible uh where Wolverine dies I was not ready for that scene uh and seeing ab and it works so well in this film because uh of everything that happened before building up to this moment he's lost everything he's lost his friends he's uh he, he's lost the family that he found with the x-men he's lost his father figure basically in Professor X and uh and he as a last ditch effort to save essentially uh uh to save his uh his daughter basically uh takes the the serum uh which triggers his berserker rage which is something that I've wanted to see in film for so long and I finally we finally get it in this one and when it wears off you you know and you know that he's not coming back from this and when he gets impaled on that tree uh it, i start tearing up every single time it's one of the greatest send-offs to a character ever it's uh it was an, originally a little bit higher on my list i will say but uh just be thankful it's this slow. uh it's it's uh, a scene that never fails to affect me. Uh, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe I'm just heartless, or maybe fandom has just killed any passion I will ever have for this. But hey, it's like, this is fine. This is fine. It's not a bad scene. 36 of all time. You have this higher than the filibuster. You have this higher than yeah. Deer Hunter, Planes, Translato. Like, you have this higher than so many great scenes i'm gonna judge you for that because like this is good but this is this is a fandom you know comic book guy who's only seen 20 movies favorite scene like this is not an actual favorite scene like if we're being honest like this is i i don't know why cody's complaining about the imdb version of jack because that version of jack is way better than the I have seen 12 movies and they are all comic book movies Jack because that
1: because the IMDB version
0: anyway uh, I (laughs) I think that Logan's death is fine this scene doesn't tilt the needle now Cody go ahead
1: Um, I, I just message me. Anybody wants to be the replacement host for this? Um. Anyways, uh, on that note, uh no. The reason why I have a problem with the IMDb Jack is because that's the fake Jack, the Jack that doesn't show up, the fact, the Jack that doesn't know those scenes and can't talk about those scenes. At uh, like, this is probably the most animated he has been for a scene because you know why he actually likes the scene. This is a weird one for me. I've always used Logan as the exact uh, analogy. Is if if you like sports, which Bowman doesn't, but if you like sports, this is like this whole movie is watching a player that you've loved your entire life, and they don't have it anymore, and it's them being beat down, and you just rather a bullet go in their head, like they just they drop out of the batter's box and say, "I'm retiring. I'm not playing this game anymore because I can't compete." I think the Berserker rage scene, which is very weird that you said I've always been looking for that in film. He does that in every X-Men movie, just not to the degree that he does in this one. but he yells, he rages, he pulls his claws out and he kills about six or seven or eight people. Like he does it every X-Men movie. This one, it just felt so they forced this like daughter relationship thing that I've never never cooked to, never in the film. I think it elevates it higher up, but overall, his death is never—it's never as like final as it as it should be or how I should feel it to be, and it just never is. And so that's my thing. So it, it was Scott. never made. Me laugh.
2: Um, yeah, I've honestly never really cared too much for Logan, um, and just the fact that like I think the death is handled pretty well. Um, like his whole speech to um or whatever her name is, X23, I can't remember the name. Um, but um I think that's like done really well. But I just always found found it anticlimactic that he's killed by being stabbed by a tree. Um but yeah, that's just me.
0: Uh and Scott, you haven't seen Logan, you said.
2: Yeah, I have not, but I do <laughs> know that Logan dies, so I was not spoiled. <laughs> well, Deadpool 2 spoiled that ending. That the ending, ending. for you. So, yeah. Which unfortunately ending. I have seen. Well, actually, I kind of <laughs> like it, but I have seen it.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh Jack, you're 35 then.
3: All right. Uh my 35. Uh it's Valerie's story from V for Vendetta. This is uh this is a scene that uh well this is a film that I hadn't seen until I started watching movies for fandom. And this film uh really uh, I really love, but it's this moment, it's not any uh grand Fight scene like uh, that you get with V, like you get earlier in the film. It's not. It's very simple. Uh, Evie has been captured. She's being held in prison, and uh, and she gets these notes with uh, a story written on it from someone in a neighboring cell. And it's a very grounded moment where you find out uh, the identity of this woman named Valerie, who uh, had a girlfriend or a wife uh prior uh prior to the uh the government uh uh the totalitarian government uh coming into power and how uh and how because of everything that uh happened uh her wife or girlfriend was killed they were separated they and she's just living in absolute hell. And this moment never, uh, fails to make, uh, to make me tear up. It just the sheer, just hopelessness of the scene. And, uh, Natalie Portman, uh, kills it in the scene, uh, as Evie. Uh, she's not, she doesn't have to do much, but, uh, she brings a lot to, uh, to this, to the scene. And it's, it's truly, uh, very tragic uh, moment and I I, definitely the scene that stands out to me every time I think of this this movie
0: I think this scene does its job which is to get you attached to this character and then have that character be torn away from you Uh, I think it's very serviceable again I think you're having these way too high these are like 190 you know that range scenes not top 40 of all of cinema, but it's not a bad scene. It's it's a good scene, actually. So, it's it's not necessarily going to hurt you, but it's not going to help you. Uh, everybody else on Valerie's story from Befriend I've seen this movie once. I couldn't tell you what this scene
1: really is off the top of my head.
2: I've only seen this movie once. I couldn't tell you what this scene is from the top of my head.
0: Scott? Same. Fair enough. All right, we're <laughs>
2: we're,
0: we're keeping this show moving. I'm happy about that. Anyway, we're, now we'll go to Jack's 34.
3: All right, my 34. Uh, yeah, it's the they knew scene from Spotlight. Yikes! Figured.
5: And y'all knew that that would be the case. I had a feeling. Oh okay. yeah. Y'all right,
4: knew, and he kept it
5: from
0: and They us. did nothing. All right.
5: We'll uh, now to- we go over to Cody.
1: Oh, crap. Yeah, it's my turn. Um, uh, my 37. Uh, we've talked about a scene from this movie. It's even got a similar title, but I think this is the better version of it. It's the Russian roulette scene from The Deer Hunter, but it's De Niro and the whole, like, when they're in throwing the money down, that scene instead of the variant That is the most, like, iconic one. Um, this scene is... Incredible overall. Like I rewatched it, and I understand why everybody picks the second one because of the graphic, like how graphic it is with walking and bleeding and blah blah. But this scene when they're all just he has they they don't speak the language. They're throwing out money, the bullet and the pistol, the spin and then the spin of it. Who gets it? The acting performance from Walken and De Niro in the scene. Is probably one of the greatest acting that has ever been on screen. You feel everything that they are feeling in this movie. You feel the pain, the panic, the the nervous energy. De Niro holds the gun up to his head and he clenches so hard that he shakes when he clicks when it clicks and it solves it. Like when he puts the gun down, he is still like violently shaking after, like from what's going on. And he is doing, like, the thing is, he is getting the shit beat out of him, and he's putting a gun to his head, and they've got all these machine guns pointed at him, and he still is walking through walking and being that friend that, be like, you put that empty chamber through. Just put the empty chamber through. Like, just the knowing, like, being the friend to be like, well, this is the worst possible situation, but you do this, and you can do this. He puts it in, and, like, he draws attention off of him, and he grabs the one, and he says, I'm going to fucking kill like I, you're gonna die like you're going to die for this and then walking triggers and it it moves and like misses and then what it does it again it goes through the same sequence and de niro like turns the gun and it's the live round and shoots it. but grabs the gun and then they end up killing everybody but it's like my heart was racing again just watching the scene because like Again, I think that last scene has a lot of weight, but the acting performance from these two in this movie, this scene is... Like, I don't know. I, I still just don't understand like, how you... Like, when an actor gets a role and says, hey, this is the part you're playing, how you can be ready and show like, this is a real-life situation. of playing Russian roulette, where you're really in no danger. Say, no, you know, thanks for your mishap, but he... they Under a film study, like film set, there. This is and you have to portray that you're, uh, uh, you know, under this condition. I I I just don't know how you're there that day, so yeah, I knew somebody was gonna make the cheap plug. I just, I just feel like it's just, I don't know how you coach yourself into that performance. I just don't, I think it's insane.
0: Yeah, no, this is an all time. This is this is an all timer scene. Uh, yeah, the acting moments. I think the way the tension is built between this, like there's there's just a level of it. And the and the, the guys playing the 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 Viet Cong are also. I I don't want to neglect their performances because if right. they aren't bringing the intensity at a level of eleven, then De Niro and Walken don't have anything to work off of. And I think they're also doing really good too. But yeah, this is this is De Niro and Walken. And honestly, this is this scene is a little bit more De Niro than Walken, if we're being honest. Like, well, Not that Walken isn't incredible. I, gee, I, I think and I the left sound the performance in the movie more than Walken, but I think De Niro is just doing so much here. The sound effects of the slaps and everything that go—it just
1: raises it to another
0: level. Yeah. No. Fantastic pick uh did anyone else have this
3: i had the other one you this had the always. worst one so you probably debatable it. debatable no, anyway. I, mean, I yeah it's
0: debatable and i'm the one the how much does of, it
2: mean to say that's the worst one when there's just two of them i mean that's
3: okay. <laughs> two well really anyway i had the other one uh it was neck and neck with this one and it i just barely went with the other one but this is a fantastic pick cody uh, where, genuinely, almost made my list.
0: Where did the other one land on your list?
3: Um, where did it land? Oh, uh, at sixty. So then
0: it wasn't neck and neck because there were forty neck and
3: people. neck with the other with the other one. No,
0: right? it, it, there it wasn't. That's not what neck. you said. <laughs> There's there's forty other scenes. There's forty other scenes. It wasn't neck and neck then. I and haven't seen it. Scenes. If it wasn't your hundred, then it would be. No, okay, I
2: seen it, but I have seen the scene. So. Well,
0: you need to be better, better than All right, my next one,
1: probably a more iconic scene. If we're being honest, um, we're talking about Magic Grits. We're talking my cousin Vinny. I
5: already had this
1: yeah um again there are there are a few scenes like there's a lot of scenes that i can pull from this movie this movie is probably one of my favorite comedies of all time um and the way they're able to um do this i think scott has said it. is this the one that the the how you cross-examine a witness yeah is like the best way to do it? one of like a, they do it the correct way um when he goes through all the witnesses and he gets to this one, he cross examines him and he's like running through all the stuff about, so you're saying, is it possible that two identical cars pulled up at different times, got in, Rob shot the person got out and he's like, it's impossible. There's not, not enough time. How much time would you say passed five minutes? And he's like, well, you're cooking breakfast. And he basically just falls him into a trap. About letting him asking him what he made for breakfast, and the classic one is he's making grits, and he just learned previously in the film that grits take 20 minutes to cook, uh, done right, and that's when he goes he just unloads on him. He goes, so it's a magic you have a magic stove, and basically berates him down to a point where he's just like has to admit he goes maybe maybe there was more time, <laughs> like maybe there was more time.
4: Cook,
5: I guess.
1: I'm <laughs> Just oh no! That's what so you said? <laughs> Are you telling me that water soaks water in a grit faster story, right? <laughs> on your stove faster than everybody else's? It's just one of those ultimate moments in a horror film that just the gotcha moment on it, and I mean it's it's done with Joe Pesci doing his little his bit and everything, but it is it is a brilliant scene, and Scott, you can take it away.
3: Yeah, I
5: mean it's great because he again the the tactic is like to ask somebody these anonymous uh, innocuous questions. They don't they don't even see where you're going with it. They're just answering. Oh yeah, no, of course I would never make grits, make instant grits. And then you know now you've trapped them with their own words when you actually connect it to the case. But yeah, it's it's a hilarious scene. I, I mean, there's not too much to add except that it's it's very funny and of course it ends with um, something that. I think we've all wanted to say at times to someone who is exhausting us, which is, I got no more use for this guy. Um, so it's perfect.
0: Yeah, no, this is, this is a great moment. I personally uh, do prefer uh, Mona Lisa's cross-examination. I do think just personally, that's the better. Did you already? Or Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I personally. The
1: future is out there. We don't know.
0: That's valid. Valid. Anyway, I'm just saying, I personally prefer that, but I'm not going to take that against you, even if you didn't have it at all, because I think this is a great pick. This is a fantastic scene. Uh, I, I think that, yeah, you pretty much covered it. Uh, I will say the one little element of, I love the judge, basically, just being like, you made your point. I think you made your point. Like, I, I do like that little detail, too. Jake, Jack, neither you had it.
2: Uh, I've only seen Michael's video once, and that was uh, last year. I do want to rewatch it. Um I do remember the scene I like it. Um there's there's a lot of scenes that are great from this movie. I just don't have a uh, that much of a love to put on my list.
3: Valid Jack? Yeah, no, this is a great scene. Uh I I did consider a couple scenes from this film, but uh neither none of them made my list. But you know, no, I'm glad it made uh Scott's and Cody's. Okay.
0: Uh Cody, you're 35.
3: This again, it did. This, I did not mean to
1: do this. This happened the same time on Top 100 where I just paired like a group of 10, and it happened to have a lot of this one actor in it, and it's not intentional. But this is Denzel Washington. This is from Fences, and it's the why don't you like me scene. Um he's outside and he's helping uh him and his son are working on stuff and um he like his son makes like an off comment and he's like why don't you buy a tv dad he's like why the hell would i need a tv son and like starts talking to him and he's like well you can watch stuff on it he's like he's like well every time the every time i work for my money everybody comes through and just takes my money so there's no room but if i have 200 dollars, i'll tell you right now i'll spend it on something better than a tv Basically dismisses his son the entire time. And then his son's leaving and says, can I ask you a question, Dad? And he's like, yeah. He's like, why don't you like me? Like you? And then that ensues. He's like, nothing tells me that I have to like you, son. I have to do right by you. I have to provide a roof over your head, but I don't have to like you. Do you think he pays me my paycheck because he likes me? No, because I do my work for him. But... He just basically it's Denzel, and I. It, this one always gets like a critique because it's a play, and he's like re like it feels very play like the fences. But his performance as him is absolutely incredible, and in what sells the scene because you see the like if you've ever had a hard dad or you've ever seen another friend that had a hard like this is like one of those moments that they're just like they're not seeing like. He just wants love and like understanding from his father, and his dad's like, "I didn't get into this agreement to share that to you. Like, I'm gonna take care of you. You're not gonna have to worry for nothing. You got food on your, sh- you got food in this kitchen. You got clothes in your back. That's all because of me. Why don't you just say thank you? Like, it's basically that. And I think it's just a, a super solid scene. And I rewatched Fences, and I think this movie gets should get more credit. I think this movie is absolutely great. But um,
0: yeah, but." No, yeah, I I love scenes where characters basically kind of accidentally reveal their whole philosophy of why they've been acting the way they've been acting the whole movie, and you basically get a realization that yeah, this guy is mean to his son, but in his mind, he's doing what he should be doing, and I think that is so fascinating. It is a really great moment, and it's because Denzel is one of the greatest actors of all time, and I think we kind of I, because like a lot of his great performances aren't exactly like he's not a super like there are exceptions but he's not like an actor like say a Daniel Day Lewis who just like completely plays like seven or eight different characters in every movie he's in he's a he he has a lot of the same type of characters and a lot of the same type of modes but that doesn't mean that he plays them the same there are a lot of subtle differences you look at. Like the King Kong scene from Training Day, and you look at this. There's a lot of a lot of subtle differences in the yelling and the different moments. And yeah, this is a great scene, great pick. Everybody else sucks on this
3: scene. I haven't seen this movie yet.
2: Uh, it's a good scene. I haven't seen it in almost five years, um, but I do remember liking it. Um, I should probably just get back to uh, rewatch it because yeah, it's been too long. Scott. Yeah,
5: I've seen it and read the play. I was having trouble remembering the scene at first, but then when Cody was describing it, um, it did come back to me a little bit. I do want to rewatch. You did make me want to rewatch the scene. Um, But, I mean, the acting, I I do remember being phenomenal in this movie, of course.
0: Well, uh, anyway, uh, so now Cody, you're thirty-four. There was no doubt that the scene was going to be on my list.
1: It just matters where. Um, There is a football movie out there that is my all-time favorite football movie of all time. Um, And it's Remember the Titans. Um, I don't even need to look much of this up because I pretty much can do it from memory. But um, it is the scene where the refs are completely fucking... The titans and he um will pat no that's not right. yeah that's, yeah no, will pat will pat goes across the field and goes, uh and he basically is like i know what you're doing and he's like what the hell are you talking about he's like listen i'll go to the papers i don't care if i go down with you but you're gonna call this game fair and he's like it's your own funeral and then if you've ever played sports I've played this sport of football and everybody gets together and your coach calls everybody into the huddle and be like, listen, and it's uh, the defensive speech where I call it, but it's like, basically don't give them another yard is the exact phrase. And um, when he's like, he even calls like PD over and he's like, Hey, he's like, they're calling me a holding penalty. He's like, I don't need that excuse. And and Petey walks off, so Ryan Gosselin's character gets pulled right back into it. And he's like, listen, defense, I don't want them to gain another yard. We blitz all night. If they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm going to take every last one of you out. And they'll remember forever the night they played the Titans. And then the Montauk plays where they, the most ridiculous football tackles of all time happen, where they're just clotheslining people and they're flipping all over the place. And basically he knocks over there. They knock over the quarterback and he looks over him and he goes, you better get used to being down there. You're going to be down there all night. And then they point to the other coach and then it ends basically when the ball gets turned over to the offense and he looks at Herman and goes, hey, Herman, run up the score. Leave no doubt. It's just one of, like, the most, like, let's go. Because it was completely out of their control. They had no shot of doing anything. But the flags kept coming, and that defensive speech just, you know. They do cross the line of scrimmage, just so you know he does not take them all out. But, you know, other than that, it's a fantastic scene. It's It, I, it could have been higher by – I held myself in at 34, and it probably how I'm talking about it should be higher.
0: Yeah, uh I I think I've said before this is my favorite football movie. This is the one time I care about football, mainly because the football is not the focal point of this movie, if we're being honest. Uh, but this this is a really well done movie. And I do like this scene. To me, there are at least two, maybe three other scenes of this movie that I personally uh, prefer. But this is a solid scene. Uh, I do like this. I I just think if you're going to go with the Remember the Titan scene, and I know you've had quite a few Denzel on your list, Cody, but if you're not going to go for, like, Gettysburg or one of the big, like, Herman, you know, speeches, to me that's where you kind of need to go for. But still a good scene. Um, the two
1: that right. cross my mind is especially when he shows up to camp the vi- like he shows up yeah. to school and runs through everybody. But again, Jerry,
0: like... Jerry, you know, tells the joke <laughs> and Dean sings the song. Yeah, daddy. like... So I me, could do daddy, so daddy, many. But yeah. yeah. So my name's Louis Elastic. Somebody said football, so I come running. Like, oh. <laughs> but yeah, no, this this movie rules. Uh, still, good pick. Uh, everybody else on this scene.
5: Best football movie, easily. Um, this scene hits home for anyone who's ever had their team play against Alabama before. Um, it's what the refs do every single time, so um, I'm used to it. But, uh, no, it's a great scene. I uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I didn't have any scenes from this movie. Um, maybe there's not one that stands out for me. Um, yeah, I'd have to think about it a little bit more. But uh, this, this is as good a pick as any of them.
3: Well, yeah boatman brought up the Gettysburg scene and that's the one I'd go for but this is mm-hmm. still a great moment uh good pick Cody
2: um I've only seen the movie once and it was a while ago and I barely remember the scene sure.
1: well uh did you have Getty, Gettysburg Jake or Jack did you have Gettysburg no I'm saying you if can't
3: in say the movie that would be the one shut I'd your think. mouth okay anyway, anyway Jake you're
2: 37. Uh, my 37. Uh, Jack, you know, I disagree. You're talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark having the greatest opening to any movie ever. I, I disagree. I think this is the greatest opening of all time. Johnny Knoxville being chased by bulls. The opening of Jackass number two. <laughs> While well, Eddie Amoriconi's Ecstasy of Gold plays. I said that as a joke. It's a joke. I'm not being entirely serious by it. I kind of agree. I kind of agree. It's <laughs> <laughs> for the funnies. Um... How epic of a movie is it to have your opening be Johnny Knoxville and friends being chased by bulls in slow motion in this like town, while bull- while Annie Maricomen is at- ecstasy of gold from the good, the bad, the ugly plays. You see them smash into the you know. The, uh, the fucking cars and then bins. Wee Man hides in the bins. They jump into a house and then out of the window, and that's when Johnny Knoxville has his introduction to Jackass. Hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville. Welcome to Jackass. And as he is knocked by a bull out into the window on the uh, on the on outside, it's just incredible comedy. It introduced every main character and main actors of the uh, of the movie. Um, it's just fucking funny though just to see them all being chased and you get their reactions in slow motion to it it's just brilliant stuff I think this is, when I remember watching this for the first time on like TV with my brother we were just laughing our ass off just like, this is how you should open a movie um, it's just brilliant stuff
0: look that cast was not built for me it just wasn't
2: there's no shit in the scene, I must say
0: that that being said, that being said, I do appreciate the artistry in comedy portrayed in this scene. I know that's a weird thing to say about Jackass, but I, I appreciate, like, the music cue, the way it's shot. Like, it, for a comedy movie, like, a dumb comedy movie based on an MTV TV show, or Spike, What was it MTV? I don't know. It was a TV, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Based on a dumb MTV TV show, the fact that they did put a little bit of effort into the actual filmmaking parts of it, I appreciate that. I don't really care about Johnny Knoxville or his band of idiots, so this scene doesn't really do much for me. But I didn't hate it either. So, yeah. Uh, Everyone else on uh, Johnny Knoxville no Get with a ball
3: i've never seen this movie no. uh i've never seen this scene i have seen the golf scene i don't know if that's from jackass 2 though that's from this one okay this may be one of the greatest scenes that jake could have
1: ever put on his list i kind of am mad there is just that music <laughs> the sad thing is i may lose points on both bowman here when that music cue hits, I think of this movie way before I think of any other movie. Um, and the standing before it is like I'm Johnny Knoxville, welcome to Jackass, and that bull hits him and he's like crumpled over. It's brilliant! It's an absolute brilliant scene. I Jackass Two is by far my favorite one too. So
0: um, yeah, great choice, Scott. You haven't
2: seen it? No, no. Okay.
0: <laughs> So anyway, Jake, you're
2: 36. 36. Uh, This is one of the greatest choreographed action scenes ever. Fight scenes. uh, Jade versus Yushu Lien from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon.
0: Jake, before you start talking about this, are you sure you have the character names right? Because I was a
2: little confused. Uh, Michelle Yeoh versus Zia Zhang. That scene.
0: Okay, I think you've got the character names wrong. Oh, is it
2: wrong? Shit. Oh, sorry, think,
0: my bad. Yeah, but you're you're good. Um, I I might be wrong. Maybe you have them right. I, yeah. do, I, I, I think I just got it from a... I think her name uh, is Jen. That's based on what? Yeah, that, that's the theme that I could find was Jen versus that character. So that's
2: okay, I, might, I might have been an autocorrect. My I'm
0: favorite. gonna be hanging from the bathroom. That Jen versus uh, That was
2: yeah. aggressive. It's probably. Yeah, I, one, I think it was an auto-crack, but my bad. If my graphic is wrong, I'll kill you all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, but yeah, Ziu Zhang versus Michelle Yeoh, um, the one-on-one, uh, fight scene. Um, at one of my favorite action scenes ever. Uh, at this point, Jen has the uh, Green Destiny, which is the most indestructible, most powerful sword ever built. Uh, can cut through almost pretty much everything. Uh, but she is not as skilled as a fighter as Lian. Uh, Shulian. Uh, and you just basically see them fight first. She picks up like it's giant staff, But every every weapon that Michelle Yeoh gets just is destroyed by Jade's green destiny. Even though she is like an easily a more skilled fighter. And it's just sort of her commitment and trying to uh, outplay Jen throughout the entire I scene. Are... Could have been just a little bit louder. Yeah. Um, and it's just yeah really wonderful done I just think the choreography is excellent and just the fact that like this is Angley's first attempt at an action scene thank you um really just shows how much like dedicated and how skilled he was when it comes to filmmaking um I think it's really well done and I really love the ending of how she's able to slice the sword and still is able to win it just shows sort of why Yo is a better fighter than Jen so yeah I'm going with this scene
0: no, this is this is a solid scene. Uh, I've never seen the movie in full, so I probably lose any and all context. But it's a, it's a well done sword fight scene. I wouldn't say it's as good as the uh, Bride versus Oren fight uh, from Kill Bill. And to me, that's like the gold standard of sword scenes. And as I said before, sword fight scenes lose a little bit of their luster for me after a while. Uh so this doesn't necessarily get you. On the high end but it's still a very well done scene so it's I, I respect the pick more than i necessarily actually like it uh everyone else on the uh scene from crockham tiger hidden dragon
3: haven't seen it
0: cody i've seen, seen it? it once
1: i've seen it once um i nothing of them really like came close to my list so. um
5: if I had seen the movie more than once, perhaps I would have had this on my list. Because, like, this is cinema. Like, honestly, just watching this. I loved the movie. I watched it actually just this year for the first time. Um, and I and I really loved it. It's one of my favorite first-time watches from this year. But, yeah, this is, like, even though it is two people ostensibly trying to, like, hack each other up, it's, like, beautiful to watch. Like, there's, there's really no other word that I can think for it uh the choreography and i love when she like throws the i, I don't know if they're like
2: i can't remember yeah like those shuriken
5: or like... what it whatever they are but like you know and the way that zyu zhang dodges out of the way you know the the acrobatics obviously are some of my favorite parts and then she just like flies away at the end um it's it's so cool
2: okay uh so that's everyone's that jq35 um, this might be yikes, we'll see. Um, my number 35 is getting rid of the housekeeper from Parasite. Um so are we talking about
5: when they fake her 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 having TB? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, not
2: a yikes, not a yikes. Okay, cool. Um so at this point, three of the four families have integrated into the Parks uh, family. Uh And now they're trying to get rid of the housekeeper who's been essentially with the house since before the uh, the Park uh, family, the previous owners. And so they basically know that uh, she has a peach allergy and they exploit that and pretend it is tuberculosis. You have the dad who's the driver telling the wife um, that it could be TB. They fake the coughing and then it all is set up basically just to get her into the house. And they have this whole like just planning of let's get her into the house at this time where we can have her come in here. And then they fake having, they set up everything. Basically they set up like she's bleeding and they get the, the, the tomato sauce. Um, just everything about it is just really well done. And the way the editing is designed, you have them recite the dialogue. Like this, you got to say this at this point to her, they get her to pretend to go to the hospital so they can get a selfie so they can get in the background. Like, I'm pretty sure I her at the hospital and it looked like she was talking about tuberculosis. Um, All the setup, basically, once she's coughing, he pours the blood into the bin and reveals it. that shot um, of the revealing of the blood and her fainting is just brilliant stuff. Um, I absolutely think it's fantastic. There's many great scenes from Parasite, but I think this is the one that I think is the most well-designed, perfectly executed. Um, I think it's wonderful, and it's the one scene that just really stands out for me.
0: No, uh, this is legitimately one of the most like spectacularly edited scenes ever. Like just the the way this scene is constructed is so brilliant. Uh and I I love that this scene in the movie just kind of randomly feels like a heist movie scene. Like nothing in nothing else in that movie really feels like that, but this one sequence almost just feels like a heist movie and it's really awesome and the way each part of the plan comes together really fascinating and like the back and forth that you get of like the sun like them planning it and them going in and it's just, it's just so well weaved and edited and put together fantastic pick uh, why did nobody else have this
1: I made a face as soon as he said it I was like ooh that's a good one uh, not, again I haven't seen this movie that often so I've seen it maybe I think twice at this point is this when she like tumbled? They threw down this. There no, is no, that. That's, that's totally, okay. Okay. So, so I'm just making sure I don't. Again, yeah. yeah, that's why. That's why. When I was thinking of this movie, there's a lot that I thought of, but I couldn't like pull like something off the bat. I think it's a brilliant movie, but I just you know couldn't pull something to put on my list.
3: So there was a scene from this. Uh, this scene uh, was heavily in contention with another scene from this film uh and neither of them ended up making the list somehow uh but yeah no that's a great pick jake uh i I love song kang ho in this scene uh just the expression he has on his face when he pulls out the napkin from the garbage uh and showing the 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 blood on it it's priceless uh and him rehearsing at home uh, with his son, he's like, "You're you're way up here. I need you like down here." He d- doesn't uh, does the line again. It's it's a great, very well executed scene. So yeah, great pick.
5: Yeah, um, it's such a great scene. I um, I remember I, this movie didn't show in theaters near me, so I was watching it online via sources. And um, uh, this I guess happens like about thirty minutes in or so, and I re- I just remember after the scene was over, like I paused it and I just like had to text my friend and be like, I'm watching Parasite. Like it, this movie is incredible. Like, and this was the scene that like kicked it into gear for me. Um, Yeah. It's so good. I love the music too. Like and how dramatic it crescendos when he pulls out the, the tissue. And um, yeah, I I do have a different scene from the movie, but it's a similar sort of thing where, you know, it's like, It's this montage-like sequence where you you see all these things happening. You're wondering, like, how is it all going to come together? How are they going to, you know, pull it off? And then they do, and it's like, oh, this is, like, satisfying to watch it all click into place, even though what they're doing is kind of, like, icky.
2: So, yeah, it's a little morally not right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So,
0: number
2: 34? Yeah. Yeah, that's all good. Um, so my number 34 is from... I had to pick a scene from Mad Max Fury Road. Um, there's many scenes that I really like. A shot, Cody. Um, there's many scenes I really like, but I feel like this is the one that... that that set my expectations for what I was going to expect for the action in the movie. Uh, it's the... I'll say the first big action scene, uh, the war rig versus the spiky cars. Um, yeah, it's just war rig, that's fine. Um, but yeah, this is at this point, Furiosa is... Heading uh, out, and Mimmo and Joe realizes something's wrong. She's not going towards Gas Town, and sends all of his army towards him. Um, But you got Nux, who's in his like nitro fuel cars, going straight already there. Um, And they're on some sort of territory with some other gang. And they, their defining trait is that their cars are all spiky. And I really love that sort of aesthetic choice. Um, There's a moment that I really, really love when. You see the two cars sort of smash into each other and on the air. And it's just like this mechanical beauty that's really well done. Um, just the whole scene, I think also the scores really well. You also set up the uh, Valhalla and dying in battle with the guy sprays his mouth and then smashes into the car. I think that's done really well. The whole scene is just done re- extremely just effective and... Uh, I just think that everything about the done uh, everything about the scene is done extremely well uh, on a technical stand uh, standpoint. Um yeah, I just think it's really well done and that's all I'm going to say.
0: Yeah. For me, I just don't know if any Mad Max Fury Road like scene stands out over the other cuz the whole movie is kind of just it's the same thing over and over again, which isn't necessarily a bad thing cuz I I like what it's doing. But it kind of gets to a point where there's no one, the guys in the uh, the bad guys in trucks are almost about to get the good guys in the trucks and then they don't. Like, there's no one moment that really hits for me. Again, I'm, I'm talking madly about this movie. I do like this movie. I'm not as down on it as some people, but it also doesn't hit the highs for me than it does for other people because it, it gets a little repetitive after a while. Uh so not nah, not bad, but not a particularly notable scene
3: for me. Everybody else? Uh I've got a friend and this is one of his all time favorite films. Uh and Get I a new friend. Nah, he he, he he he's a great friend. Uh but anyway, uh I I I, I had Uh it was five years between when this movie was released and when I finally saw it. And the entire time people had been telling me, Oh, Jack, you're gonna love this movie. This is absolutely a movie you're gonna love. And I felt really, really let down by it. It's still a very good film. There's scenes that I really like, but I I've only seen it the one time and I was kind of just disappointed. But the sandstorm scene is great. Uh, probably the one I would have went with if I picked a scene from this film, but I didn't.
1: Alan. Uh, i think yeah. the chaos and action of it i think what you should do is just this is one of the one movies that i would recommend people watch on two times speed because i think you'd get a lot of it because this plot in the story makes no sense but i think the action zoomed up would be really fucking cool <laughs> the, and it'd the be less time makes no sense correct
2: okay
1: to make hunt for nice. gas we don't
2: fill up how does that not make any sense <laughs> You can't get back if you don't
1: have gas. I don't know how it works in Australia, but guess what? You have to fill up at some point. And 18-wheelers that shoot fire from them, the gas is going to run out pretty quick. Again,
0: over sand. Maybe maybe it's a Prius that shoots fire from it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we've got we've got a fire shooting uh, Prius. It, it's half electric, It's a hybrid. It's a fire shooting. Hybrid.
1: If all the Shell stations started shooting at each other, it would make a lot more sense. But instead of just drive,
0: okay, well you're out of gas and dead. <laughs> we gotta come and go in the middle of this desert. Uh, <laughs> um,
5: I'm anyway. A quick trip here, I very much enjoy the movie. Um, I would say a similar thing to Boatman. Not that everything is the same, but that it does just feel like one long scene uh, to an extent. So it's hard to distinguish out certain. I mean, there there are certain parts that I like of the movie, but I don't even know that they would qualify as scenes. Um, So yeah, it really is just the case of like, which cool thing do you like? you know, from the action scenes in this movie, and this is certainly an option
0: and a good one, so. Valid. Now we go over to Scott, I believe. Scott, you're 37. All
5: right. My 37. Let me double check. It is the pencil trick from The Dark Knight. All right. Um, so even though this isn't technically Joker's intro into the movie it kind of feels like it is because he's in disguise for most of the opening scene Um, and it's like the perfect, it's where, I mean you you instantly realize he's going to be like an iconic performance and iteration of this character, he's perfectly balanced, Heath Ledger's perfectly balancing the like droll dark comedy of the Joker but also the super intimidating side and like when he comes in they're not really taking him seriously you can see you know he's like we have to kill the batman and they're just like oh ha, 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 ha. you know if it's if it's so simple why haven't you done um but then like this pencil trick that he does like kind of shifts the mood of the scene completely right it's just this sort of shocking thing you don't exactly know where he's going with this trick and then bang and you know the dude is presumably dead um and so you know that is is um you know just a really cool moment but also um you know i think the scene's really well written i think all these movies are really well written it's what makes them some of the best comic book movies of all time um and it's you know there there are moments of humor in it like the um when he stands up and they're like oh you think you could just steal from us and walk away and he just goes yeah Um, and Heath Ledger's delivery of that line is perfect, but, um, yeah, in in general, it's, it's just, uh, you know, about the introduction of, of that character and that performance. And it just like gets off on such a perfect note, um, that, you know, right from the outset, you're about to watch something like completely legendary, but again, capturing both sides to this character, um, in such a, you know, engaging way.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good moment. The the moment of the scene that you, you didn't really touch on was, is uh, when he confronts Lau on the TV. I feel like I'm cutting Probably. out a little bit. But anyway, I'm going to keep going anyway. Uh, he confronts Lau on the TV and basically like, you know, the television. I, I know the squealers when I see them. Uh, and I, I think that's a great little moment. So yeah, uh, I
1: Okay, Um, yeah, great. I'm really surprised that this is the only person to have the pencil trick. Um, I think there's, like, two that are really, like, outstanding. Um, Well, I I think there's more than just two outstanding, but, like, this is the one that I automatically think, too. I think the heist at the very beginning is really good. But, like, I remember when that scene, (laughs) this scene for the first time, this is probably like the most like the kids in school thinking they could do the impression, like to a T, like wanna see a magic trick. And I'm just like, oh boy. This is starting something I wish didn't. Um, but like I just think it's like and I think up to that point it was the gags, it was like the gun with the like thing pop out for Joker. We never saw this ruthless, ruthless side of Joker from like a movie, like at that point. So when he like Kills a guy instantly, like that's just something you're like, okay, we're on a completely different level, and and I think this is the first exact scene that I know the first time he talks, but this is like the first scene that was like the people that doubted Heath Ledger are completely wrong because this is this is something we haven't seen before. So yeah, great click. I wish I kind of had something from it, but again. This movie is like uh, next year, probably on the wireless band list. I'm talking about.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, did everyone else talk about this scene? Uh, no. No. Uh, <clears throat>
3: you can go ahead, Jake.
2: Okay, I'll say. Um, I'll just say that yeah. Even though I'm not like the biggest fan of the Dark Knight, I do like the scene, and yeah, like Scott was saying, it's not his initial introduction, but it does really like showcase like why the Joker is effective and menacing, and why he is the smartest man in the room, essentially. Um, I do also just like um, it's is it, it's my I'm gonna forget the guy's name. It's Black Diamond. What's his name? Thank you, uh, Michael Jai White. Um, I really like him in the scene. as like five hundred thousand for him dead, a million alive, just so I can beat the shit out of him. I like that sort of uh, that scene as well. Um, yeah, no, it's a really good scene. So yeah. yeah,
3: Uh Jack. Yeah, no, this is an incredible scene. Uh, it was absolutely in the running. Uh, like I said before, I've only picked one scene per film uh just to keep it to limit uh how many times i can put uh scene or a movie on my list. This was absolutely in the running along with a number of other scenes from this film. It's a top 10 movie of all time for me, so there's a very good chance there's a scene that shows up later.
0: Valid. Uh so yeah uh Scott, your next pick.
5: Um, this is one of the reasons I'm glad Kirk's not here. But uh, number 36, I have the audition from Mulholland Drive. Oh, spoilers for my number 33. Um, yeah, bye, Cody. Um, so this scene is where Betty, which is sort of the the first iteration of Naomi Watts' character that we see in the movie, um, goes to... Try out for a film, she's come to Hollywood with aspirations of being a big actress. This is the first time we really see her doing any acting, and um, she goes in to act in a romantic scene basically with this older man. And you know, there's a lot of ideas swirling around in this movie, and I think one that has always um stuck with me is sort of the way it depicts how Hollywood sort of uses up and spits out these young actresses after they've like either grown older or just like will not do what the, you know, the men in Hollywood want them to do anymore. And this scene sort of like, you know, it crystallizes that idea because it's this like romantic scene, but of course the guy is like determined to make it weird and like is moving in really close to her and like putting his hands on her. But she um, does not resist his advances, presumably because um you know she understands that this is what she's going to have to endure um in order to actually make it in this industry and instead she turns in like this incredible performance within a performance and then you add in the fact that um that you know we we learn later on that they're she's playing two characters basically um betty and then the more jaded version of her diane who has been through the ringer and, you know, again, been sort of spit out and had a relationship with this director and, you know, cast aside. But um, and so there's so many things that Naomi Watts is doing in the scene. And I've said before, it's one of my five favorite performances in any movie, um, what she's doing in this movie. Um, there's so many layers of like, again, you almost see in this moment, the two characters like conflating and you don't really know which version of her that you're watching. Um but, you know, ultimately the scene, the audition concludes and, you know, everyone in the room is just like giving her this applause. Or whatever. And, you know, they're kind of applauding her for the, the wrong reasons, because like she's played this she, basically because she's gone along with this really sexual like version of the scene that this other dude wanted. But also as a just appreciator of film and the art of acting, I, too, want to applaud after watching it, because I think Naomi Watts is so breathtaking in the scene.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I think this scene. I, I, I don't know. It didn't necess- I think it's a good performance scene. I, I kind of have similar feelings to this that I do to the the Hugh Jackman scene uh, from Prisoners, and that I think it's a good performance. But I don't really know if I really love the actual scene that that performance is a part of. It's a good acting moment from Watts. But I, I I don't particularly to me there to me I don't know if there's really any scene from this movie that would really hit though I do like the movie overall I I think that it's fine everyone else on the audition from Mulholland Drive
3: I've been told I would like this movie I haven't seen it yet uh, I'll get to it eventually
5: who has told you
3: that information no one you know. I mean,
5: he does like freaking Requiem for a Dream, so who knows? Mm-hmm. Well
1: I mean, I think Requiem for a Dream is good. I think this movie is an abomination. Um, the worst thing about watching this movie, the worst thing about watching this, and again, I'm going to be on my phone box for just a second. I was once, I was, I once watched this. I think for Scott. Um, and the worst thing ever is I put a bad review up, and then somebody in this community. I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to out the person. But a person messaged me and said, you should watch this a couple more times and I can help you understand what you are missing from this movie. On that note, that person, if you've ever seen Billy Madison and uh, Steve Buscemi's character is writing a bunch of people's names down the line and cross them out, he has been added to a list. That is one of the most insulting messages I've ever received in my entire life because i don't believe you the reason that i gave it a negative review is not because i didn't understand the complex elements of all, it's just not a movie for me but that was that happened so I, i'm outing that in this moment. Uh, <laughs> so
2: i did the, i really need to say this i like era's head lot i, I, I
0: will say Jake, you should see this movie. I think even Cody would agree this is a Jake. I'm shocked you haven't seen it, yeah? Um,
3: Yeah. I didn't know you hadn't seen it.
0: I'm very surprised. (laughs) That's weird. Anyway, uh, Scott, you're 35.
5: Sure. Uh, My 35 is Mason Leaves for College from Boyhood. Right? Um, Yeah. So I. To explain why I love this scene, there's this, there's a moment in before sunrise when Celine gives the speech about um, the space between us. If there is a God, uh, it's you know it's here in the space between us. And so much of Linklater's best movies in my opinion are sort of about that idea that like, And specifically in Boyhood, it's like how you define your life and the moments that make you who you are are not the big milestones and the birthdays and the graduations and all that. But it's these seemingly mundane things that happen in between those milestones. And that's mostly what we see in Boyhood. And this scene, which is where he is packing up, ready to go, and he is with his mother, um, really just sort of takes on that idea head on, because she starts talking about how, well, here we go, like, you know, here's my youngest child going off to college. Um, I, my, up till now, my, my whole life has been a series of milestones. You know, I get divorced, I get remarried, I got my master's degree, you know, my older daughter goes to college, my son goes to college, um, and now, my you know, my son's gone, there's nothing else for me. The next thing that's gonna happen in my life is I'm gonna die. Um, and it's like it's such a heartbreaking moment and you don't really expect that the movie is going to go there because um, it's not necessarily the type of thing that you expect from this movie or from Linklater even um, to, to go in that uh, sort of cynical direction almost and of course Mason says to her like well I think you're skipping over a few things but again what I love so much about the scene in addition to Patricia Arquette giving a fantastic performance is that it really um gets at confronts that central philosophy in a lot of linklater's best films because his mom has defined her life in terms of these you know big events and now she's gotten to a point where it's like oh well there are no more big events so you know what what is my life now and it just kind of shows i think maybe the danger of thinking about your life in that way and for not you know appreciating every moment that you have um, because ultimately, again, the moments that we see in the movie are not the big milestones, but they are the moments who end up making Mason the person that he is. I um, mean, and really, it applies to all the characters too, because we're not just seeing Mason come of age, but we're seeing his sister and mom and dad also. So um, it's you know a a brilliant you know capper to the film, and you know, like I said, just really <laughs> really tackles. Um, the, the idea one of the central ideas at play in you know many of my favorite films by my absolute favorite filmmaker so I had to put it on this list um, it's definitely the scene from this movie that I think should be picked
2: oh let's <laughs> say do it he just like hi hi right. right. how are you guys doing uh, boyhood you know what you're it's a choice that you made proud of you. Good for you. Hope you're doing a good time. Oh, look, he's back.
0: Have a good night. Seinfeld has become my least favorite show of all time. And if you know why, you know why. Um, anyway, uh, you, Scott, just to be clear, because you cut out almost entirely for me when you were talking. Because I think I might have your scene wrong. Are Is the scene that you're talking about like the Patricia Arquette speech?
5: Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. When he's packing up to leave. Yeah.
0: I had the completely wrong scene because I had him actually like going Driving. to college with yeah. this wrong hero thing. That's the scene I watched before. <laughs> that I was like, "Wow, that's a, kind of a stupid pick. This is a good <laughs> pick. I really like this scene. This is a good speech. Uh, this is the scene that won Patricia Arquette her Oscar, and I think it's deserved. She's really in this scene. I like this speech. Uh, everybody else on the scene."
3: I Can we have Call back? <laughs> uh I haven't seen this movie. I'm hit and miss on Link later. There's one miss for me that I really want to re-watch because I don't think uh I don't know, maybe it was just a bad day for me, but uh I haven't seen this one. So
1: I've seen this movie one time. I could not tell you what the hell it was. I just remember not loving this movie at all.
2: Um, okay. I have seen this movie only once, um, I do think this is definitely Arquette's like standout scene, this is the scene where she wins the Oscar for essentially, um, I do. it's a fantastic scene and I definitely get a lot of uh, emotional like sort of feelings from it, uh, especially since my I relate a lot of um, Patricia Arquette to my mom in this scene and just sort of like the fact that my youngest brother is graduated and is now an adult, I feel very uh, similar to this uh, scene. Uh, I do want to rewatch Boyhood. I do like Linklater a lot, and the gimmick behind this movie is just really fascinating. And I wish I could see more films like this. I mean, Linklater's is currently working on another one, so we'll see that in like twenty five years or so. Seventeen years or something. Seventeen now. years <laughs>
0: with Ben Platt uh, and anyway, Beanie Uh Yeah, yeah. Uh, two nepotism babies. Anyway, uh, did everybody talk about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Scott, 34.
5: Yeah, 34. So last week, Jake said he wasn't going to have a Spider Man scene this week. Uh, And so I assume that many of you (laughs) thought that meant we wouldn't be talking about Spider Man. And maybe we still won't because this could be (laughs) yikes. But my number 34 is the train rescue from Spider Man 2. Yikes. Yikes.
3: Okay. (laughs) I get to say it before you, Jack.
0: Yeah. All right. So, Jack, you're 33.
3: All right. Yeah. Uh, my thirty-three is Arthur Lee Allen's interrogation in Zodiac, uh, the one at Yikes. Uh,
1: nope. <laughs> nice for this
0: episode. Awesome, Sorry. Cody. You're thirty-three. Um. Okay,
1: my thirty. Uh, my thirty-three is the ending to When Harry Met Sally. Just to make sure, Jack, your interrogation of who?
3: Arthur Lee Allen in the break room. You have Michael the same yeah. scene.
0: You have yeah. the same.
3: Okay, voice. okay, okay. That's what I did that Carol once. Lynch. I was wrong.
0: You have him listed as John Carroll Lynch, which is the actor's name. Yeah. Jack okay. has Arthur that's Lee right. Allen. So you both okay. just have different people.
1: Okay. Uh, so when Harry Met Sally is uh, it's, it's, there's another movie that's really close. But um, it's like one of my favorite rom-coms of all time. Uh, I absolutely love this movie, um, and I love the two. I love how the film is just put together. How they meet up over three courses of their like three parts of their life. Um, but this ending is just something that like when people don't think I have a heart, which is completely valid and understandable. And I don't. I don't. I don't. agree that I have one. This is one of those scenes that like makes me like a super happy scene. It's just basically he comes, he's running back to her at the end of the film and he's like, I can't, she's like, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't do this. Like you've told me this basically this entire movie, this entire this is who you are as a person and where you're at. And we're never going to be on that side. I put myself out there and it was denied, blah, blah, blah. I'm not doing this. And then Billy Crystal just goes through the rants of what he loves about her, and it's the it's the little things, like the little things, like you have to have the the, the house set at the certain degree mark, and you have to you have to have seven different things to make a simple salad on the thing, and you're you're so. But the, the, the thing is, like, I can't imagine living one day without you. Um, I just think it's a beautiful ending. There's another scene from when Harry met Sally, but I. I don't love that scene as much as everybody else. I know it's, like, iconic, but I don't get, like, it's cool, but, like, and funny, but this is the scene that I, like, will always gravitate towards. The ending where they get back together, and he confesses, like, everything he loves about her. So,
4: yeah.
0: I'm personally on the third option of the When Harry Met Sally scenes. I go with the karaoke scene. Uh, I think that... I'm shocked. I am absolutely shocked that the karaoke
3: scene is your favorite.
0: Yeah, uh
1: I've as soon as we seen you perform Bust a Move Live, I'll tell you I completely understand why the karaoke scene is on.
0: Anyway, uh the ending is really good though. The ending uh I, I think probably legitimately one of the greatest quotes in a movie ever is like when you meet, I, I, I'm i paraphrasing here, but when you meet the person you want to spend the rest of your life with, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. Um, and I think that's a great quote. Uh, it's a great, like, I, I think the, you know, the the trope of running, you know, to get to the person and then you have the conversion, it's, it's a trope, but I think it's a trope that works usually. Uh, so yeah, no, good scene. I like the pick everybody else
2: on the end of when harry met sally i still have not seen when harry met sally i'm terrible
3: i saw it for the first time like a month ago and it's fantastic uh previous to like prior to seeing it uh the only scene i had i had ever known from this movie was the one that cody referenced earlier with the diner and the uh the fake i'll have what she's (laughs) having no yeah, that, that. I, I couldn't think of the line. Well, uh, yeah, that scene. This scene blows that one out of the water for me. I had I uh, seen the movie prior to submitting a list. This might have made the list. So great pick, Cody.
5: Yeah, it is kind of tropey, but also you have to wonder: like, was this kind of the movie that made it a trope? Right? Because this movie it just became so like. Has become so iconic and the quintessential rom-com, arguably, um, and so maybe it just like hasn't aged as well because like you watch like the, the final speech that he's giving, like you're saying, Cody, and it's like, you know, maybe a little bit feels a little bit cheesy or played out, but that's probably just because there have been many failed imitators of it since since then, and you you can almost see like Nora Ephron in like a caffeinated state, just like writing down all these, you know, little lines that she could think of, like, you know, coming to her. Um, and like, this is kind of her magnum opus. It feels like this scene of like, you know, like you're saying, the little details and everything. It's, it's, I mean, it's wonderfully written, um, but she was just like spitting fire um, when writing this, it feels like. So it's it's a great scene. Um, it's just, you know, with time, I, I don't know that it's one of my favorites because, I have seen other similar scenes like it, even though this is probably the original and the best.
0: All right, uh, Jake, we go to your
2: 33. All right, so probably the scene, the mo- the least... Actually, no, I haven't really uh, pitched the scene. Uh, it is just definitely a scene that I absolutely love that no one ever, uh, ever has ever seen that we should all talk about more often. It's the ending to The Holy Mountain. Hell yes. Uh, so at this point, the alchemist has led the richest people on earth to the Holy Mountain. Uh, he has told the thief to leave as he does not need to achieve enlightenment and immortality. Um, and the alchemist at this point shows the, I guess, <laughs> these people, these the immortals that are at the Holy Mountain, and it turns out they're all just dummies. They're fake. There was no real, uh, there, there wasn't really. A group of immortals the, ho- the holy mountain is just an idea at this basically what he talks about and then he ta- tells these people that it is just an idea there is no such thing as the holy mountain and he says is this reality no it is a film and he tells the camera to pan out and we see the lights and the, the mic and it's all just a set he tells them that this isn't real this is nothing we need to ascend to a a newer place of enlightenment and tells the audience goodbye to the holy mountain real life awaits us and they walk away almost like the you know walk into the sunset shot as the as the screen fades to white um real beautiful and absolutely love i'm a big fan of the whole philosophy and all the movies that kind of create the sort of like um the debate and the idea of what is real and what is reality and the movie is just like no this isn't reality this is just a film this is just something that you're watching through a screen um just the ideas behind it is really fascinating um it, this movie is also just i would highly recommend um it's, it's the ben-hur of surreal art films um take with that what you will um, yeah this is just one of those endings that should be remembered as one of the greatest of all time uh, incredible film unlike anything you've ever seen
0: I'm not going to be too hard on Jake here because I only watched the ending so it is completely possible that in and it kind of sounds like in context this is a big deal this seems fine like I'm a sucker for for meta stuff and even then this is fine like I, I didn't I wasn't particularly entertained um, this kind of felt like nothing has anyone else seen The Holy Mountain? No yeah no didn't think so uh scott over to your 33
5: okay kind of a similar boat where i'm talking about the ending of a movie that probably a lot of people haven't seen but this is the ending for the movie phoenix um we're actually going to be talking about this on the round table recording this weekend but uh I, i don't want to spoil it but at the same time um it's so good that I don't think you can spoil it even by describing what actually happens. But basically, this is a movie about a Jewish woman who survives a concentration camp, uh, but is badly burned on her face and gets facial reconstruction surgery. Um, ends up looking similar to herself, but not so similar that people know it's her. Like she, people don't think it it is it is who she actually is and she just de- decides to track down her husband who um, some people believe is the one who actually sold her out to the nazis in the first place um and he doesn't recognize her um and instead he decides he sees that she looks like uh his wife and wants uh, her to kind of play act with him so that he can get basically the reparations that that she is owed by the nazi government for what happened. Um, and so it's a fascinating, you know, sort of Hitchcockian story that plays out of identity that plays out. And it all culminates when they have staged her great return from the concentration camp. Um, again, the, her husband's still not knowing it's actually her. And they go to the house of these friends and they go, they begin to, the husband begins to play a song on the piano and... Um, she begins to sing the the main character played by Nina Haas. and um, as she sings, we see that her, her husband starts to recognize from the voice that it is her. And then he sees the tattoo on her arm that shows, you know, that she was in the concentration camp. And as the scene goes on, he realizes that this is actually his wife, the woman that he's been dealing with the whole movie. and now she presumably, you know, understands everything that has happened and he's been exposed and also there's the undercurrent of like this is about their relationship but it's also about all of the jewish people who came back from these concentration camps and how do they go on how do they interact with the very people who you know put them through the worst tragedy the worst event in human history and that's what i think makes the movie a, a masterpiece but this scene is like unbelievable and she just walks away at the end and he's just left sitting there at the piano like with to with all of that to weigh on him um it's a stunning ending pretty much anyone who's seen this movie talks about um how amazing the ending is and like it lives up to all the hype trust me
0: yeah uh so i watched the ending and only the ending because i had short notice so the ending did not make any sense to me i honestly should have maybe asked scott for the context i needed for the scene uh because i had no clue sounds kind of cool now that i hear scott type man but because i haven't seen the context basically it's not going to help you it's not going to hurt you it's just kind of there uh so anyway uh has anyone else seen this movie i'm going to assume no. i have not played. okay uh so then we're going to go over to jack well,
3: yeah, no, I, I just uh, muted because I've heard great things about that movie and didn't want the ending spoiled. Uh, we'll watch so it maybe.
1: and then watch the round table
3: in a month. Okay, then. Will do. Uh, my 32, we talked about a scene earlier tonight that has been parodied and memed to death, but still works, still has all of its power, and this is another one of those. No, I am your father from Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I know. Whatever. But hey, here's the thing. This scene still works today, and uh, the the score uh, that kicks in once James Earl Jones says the iconic line uh, and you get Luke's reaction, it's just a brilliant scene that, while it shocked audiences uh, back in 1980 and uh, even even the cast members that weren't uh, Mark Hamill and James Earl Jones, because only they uh, apart from uh, some of the crew uh, knew the, knew the twist Harrison Ford had no idea, Carrie Fisher, no idea. So knowing that, but it still works today. So well, Uh, it, a moment like this does not last over 40 years. uh, If it, if it falls apart over time. And this one has stood the test of time so well. Uh, Just a brilliant moment. uh, And the real turning point in the the original trilogy and one that I just could watch at any point. Brilliant moment.
0: Yeah, um, I don't know. To me, like there are better lightsaber fights in in the movies than this. This is not top two, maybe not even top three. I think there are better lightsaber fights in the prequels. There are better lightsaber fights... In the uh, sequel trilogy, there's better lightsaber fights in the original trilogy. So, this is not a top tier lightsaber fight for me. So, it really does force the scene to stand on the actual drama. Which, like, I'm sorry, if I'm going to go to a scene for dramatic confrontation, I'm not going to do it between Mark Hamill and Robot Man. Like, I'm sorry. I like Star. Maybe I just have Star Wars fatigue. But this scene is fine. It's fine. There's nothing really special about it besides the fact that everyone quotes it and says that it's great. But it's it's fine. You want actual drama in this go to Return of the Jedi. There's actually some decent dramatic moments. This is just it's Mark Hamill being like, this is and then also, you have, you know, Darth Vader just be like, oh, I'm your father. Like, it's, it's not a particularly notable, like, con- confrontation. It's... Why are you the way that you are? Oh, shut up, pirate boy. Anyway, uh, everybody else on this scene?
5: Um, not better than the pod race, but. Um... That's not <laughs> that is a hill you are um, going to
2: die on, and that is hilarious. That's or by yourself, is. too.
5: I mean, this this scene does not have a two headed Greg Proops like doing race commentary. It's so.
2: you know what that is. It's well, time
0: to stop. See, No, this um, movie didn't need that movie, didn't need Greg Proofs. It needed like uh, the entire cast, of whose line is it anyway? And yeah, that <laughs> <really> <laughs> Colin okay, and you carry Larkin. his
5: stuff, huh? really Um, anyway, that. this scene is good, but it's another one like the filibuster scene we talked about where it's like there's nothing really new that I feel like I can say about this. Like, mm-hmm. everyone knows the scene, sure, it's it's good. It probably isn't, doesn't hit like it. It definitely doesn't hit like it did when it originally came out so there's also that aspect of it but um it's not my favorite star wars scene you know
2: it's just like the most famous one Uh, jake cody uh if i hadn't had seen toy story 2 before watching empire strikes back i probably would have found the dramatic reveal uh a lot I would have held a lot more, but I had unfortunately seen Toy Story 2, which was directly parroting the scene. So, unfortunately, it's uh, the impact is lessened for me, even though I do think it's uh, really effective. It's one of these movies where I just wish I'd seen it, knowing absolutely nothing about it beforehand, um, because it definitely would have played it better for me. But I'm just with you also, Boat. I'm just I have with Wars fatigue, I just I don't really care.
0: But Jake, what I'm later <laughs> turned out to be the future version of Luke mm. Skywalker,
2: Mm, I that, of no one would ever do that. That would not. I kind of regret
1: even... asking. I kind of regret asking you to be the host. Um. Anyways, uh, listen, I've just had to come to terms with this. Star Wars sucks, and I don't think there's an easier way to put this. I don't love a majority of the films as much as I used to. Like, I think they're cool. I think what they were, but we we entered a community that has abused these films to a, a crazy degree. And that's our fault. That's a hundred percent our fault. And why it's had its own trivia leagues. It's had questions. There's more stuff. I know probably from this scene than the flipping. no, I am your father. Like what, like how long is his like, you know, trench coat that he's wearing? Like there's different things. Like what, how far up his wrist did he get cut? Like, there's just some stupid shit about this. I don't understand how you can even put this in the conversation anymore. Not only, yes, is it probably the most iconic from Star Wars? Sure, I'll give you that. But not anymore. It's been mean to death, and it has so much weight because up until 2000 or 99 or whatever, there was no other Star Wars movies at that point. They, they ran their course. They waited for a long time, and even then until 2005, there was nothing, and then we waited. Now we get... We get a Star Wars something every, like, a uh, some series or something. So it's just so ingrained in everything. I don't think this is, like, a great scene overall. And it's cool the first time. It is really cool the first time if you don't know what's happening. But I could never just go back to the scene and be like, ah, ah yeah, great, cool. No, okay. Plus, he winds right. like a bitch.
4: Oh, yeah. no, shut up, like, fuck the world? World?
1: you're supposed to be the Jedi world? that leads us against Darth Vader, I wish Darth Vader would kill his
2: ass, lose his you know, it's a but, little, but then
5: he keep, when he actually world? did yeah. become that Jedi, people hated it, but,
2: yeah. oh, shut up, he, and he's
1: not in pain, because they cauterized the wound right through it, so that's why he's not screaming for that, all right, can you, <laughs> Um, fuck, I don't even know what machine is. Hold on. Um, it's the, inter- oh. <laughs> oh, okay. it's the interrogation scene from John Carlin from Zodiac. The interrogation, um, I love Zodiac to a bad degree. I've always thought, I said this, I should probably seek help, but I'm not going to at this point. Uh, I really enjoy it. Um, and this interrogation is <laughs> it's got it's not very long, but there's a lot to unpack in that just brief three four minute scene basically where he sits down with them and he starts talking about like you know where he was like investigated and talked about and he's like and then he just keeps adding stuff to make the the interrogation dig deeper like oh well the blood on those knives in my car was from the chicken and like Ruffalo's like um what <laughs> He's like, oh, well, it's from the blood of the chicken. Like, I had chicken that morning. That's why I had knives in my car. And he's like, it starts to get to a point where it turns. Like, oh, I told my neighbor they didn't call in. But he died, like, a week later. Didn't think about following up. And, like, everything keeps going. And you can just feel the tension, like, and, like, why he got fired from his job. And they're like, and he just, like, blank stares. And is like, I'm not the Zodiac. And they're like, yeah, you're yeah okay like that's what we're talking about and like he's like can i see your watch and he passes the watch around and the, for the word at the very top of the thing is zodiac and then that's when they all like gleam in and like and he's just talking nonchalant and blah 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 and it's just the body language from john Carolyn in this scene is so good because where he's able to tell but he you think you're face to face right now with the Zodiac killer and how he's talking and how he's interacting and how he's telling stuff. He's like, "Oh, so you're a different No, I never said that. They tried to make me, but no. And like his fate, like <laughs> it's intimidating sitting across run the entire. And then the bell ring, The the, the go back to work. And he's like, "I'm free to go." Like just basically puts them on the line. Like, "You ain't got nothing to hold me, so I'm gonna go." Like. I just think it's an incredible scene. It, when I think of Zodiac, besides the basement, this is like the automatic one I have to think of. Like as soon as I think of Zodiac, so
3: yeah, yeah. I, uh, oh, yeah. Jack, oh, sorry. So, yeah, this scene is brilliant. Uh, everything from uh, from John Carroll Lynch's body language in this scene to when uh mark ruffalo and i can't think of the other actors names right now but when they notice the boots when they notice the watch uh it's uh and the tension starts building and building and and you're just sitting there like this guy is absolutely the zodiac like i'm sitting there watching this movie and david fincher has convinced me uh by the end this guy is the zodiac and when he, when he just stares dead, like just deadpan stares at Ruffalo and the others and says, I'm not the Zodiac. And if I was, I certainly wouldn't tell you. It's just like chills down my spine every single time. The scene is brilliant. If the, if the Academy wanted to nominate John, John Carroll Lynch for just that scene, I would have been fine with that, but yeah. they didn't. So, you know, whatever, but no, this scene is fantastic.
0: You know, I always feel really bad for the real guy's family and like him after this movie, and because now we found out that he was not actually the Zodiac. So So, I just kind of feel I feel I feel bad for this guy because you know it was just Gary. Gary was the Zodiac. Um, We never we never did. Yeah, I don't think there is a Gary in this movie. But anyway, uh, this Um, is a great scene. This is a great scene. This is not my top tier uh, from Zodiac. I think you mentioned the other great scene from Zodiac, which is the basement. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's already come up or if that could come up. But That was last week. Okay. Yeah. I personally find the basement better, but this is a really good scene, mainly because I think John Carroll Lynch is one of our most underappreciated character actors working today. So, Scott, Jake, thoughts?
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a- – top 10 all time movie for me. I already had a scene from it. It was the scene from the jail with Cleo Duvall, but um, there's a few scenes that definitely could qualify here. I mean, many, many scenes, honestly, but um, yeah, I love this one. It is so tense. I love when he just like randomly out of nowhere is like, "Uh, what? you know, is this about like the, as for the bloody knives or whatever that I had in the back of my car and they're just like, what? Like he just volunteers that out of nowhere. Um, so there's obviously something off about the guy, but you're trying to figure out, is it because he's the Zodiac or is it because he's just a normal sicko? Um, but either way, it's a perfect performance from, from John Carroll Lynch to keep you in that ambiguity.
2: Uh, yeah, this is really well done. Uh, it's very similar, in my mind, to the scene from uh, last week when we talked about the scene from Memories of Murder, where it's just like I just want to believe this guy is the killer, So I, so this can all be over, even though all the evidence doesn't support the fact that it is him The little bits of it but it, he's a little weird but you just want it to be over at this point and you just want to believe that he is the killer so we can just be done with this but that's just, you know it's not and it's just another you know loose end that's just there's no resolution to it i think is done really well in this scene it's definitely just like just attention i mean this is why finch is just one of like the the greatest at it when it comes to just the way he makes films and creating that anxiety um yeah racing right I really need to rewatch the zodiac because everyone's got a scene from it i i feel embarrassed not to help one.
0: uh well we're at your 32 so let's see if you got something on par with yeah. the interrogation scene from zodiac
2: well they both uh, well, <laughs> both these scenes uh definitely create anxiety and uh, tension in my mind um i got another scene from jackass number two I'm sorry guys uh, it's the tota scene <laughs> <laughs> um, so the setup is that Johnny Knoxville, Van Magera uh, Ryan Dunn, and Chris Pontius are on that like a tater totter setup, they're on each side, and basically a bull is just going straight for each of them as it goes around, and they've just got to jump up and make sure that the bull doesn't hit them. Um, I will never think- this is a scene that I just I rewatch all the time, it just there is a tension. And anxiety, mm-hmm. you just don't want them to get hit by this bull. And Jackass number two uses the bulls, like, probably the most. I think there's one where, like, where Knoxville pretends to be camouflaged. I think that's in this one. But this scene just really is all about the anxiety. It's nothing, you know, extremely ridiculous as far as, like, the, you know, the horrible, like, the shit stuff mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. It's just creating anxiety and tension. And there's a point where two of them have been knocked out and it's just Bam and Knoxville and they're just jumping up and down as the ball doesn't hit them. And Knoxville is the one that stays there till the very end where he's just getting hit by the ball. I love this scene. It's really fun. It's just a perfect setup and the execution of it, I think, is is done really, really well. Um, I just fantastic and fun to watch.
0: Maybe, maybe, I I mean, obviously, Jackass is clearly not built for me because I'm watching this scene... And like yeah, I'm anxious, but I'm more just like what sick twisted like this this feels like some this is like the dark ending of like some dramatic movie of like these people are just like this feels like a black mirror episode of for entertainment people are forced to endanger themselves with a bull like I'm sorry, but Johnny Knoxville and Steve-O and all those people are terrible human beings and psychopaths. I would, they're not terrible. Please. I not see you had your time to talk, and they are. I'm sorry, they are. Maybe maybe you and your friends want to go punch each other in the nuts, but me and my friends can play Pokemon cards. That's what I did, and that was good enough for me. Anyway, I think that this is this is this is no no thank you everybody else on
3: this i've said story, it already on this episode I of
0: human nature and what
5: we've <laughs> <want> know <laughs> when, when all is said and done how many total movies were represented on jake's list because i think it's probably like 60 honestly like <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> the frequency we're at at this point i mean it doesn't um, matter like, the variety of the movies it's just
2: about the scenes i i guess that's true So when you...
1: Shut the fuck up, it's my turn now. (laughs) Anyways, um, when you picked the first one, um, I was like, that's a really good scene. And then I was thinking back to scenes from Jackass number two that I like. And this is the little one that I thought of. I was like, I hope this is on his list at some point. This, when Chris potty is sitting across from it, right before the bowl gets released and goes, it's gonna be a
4: bloodbath.
1: I, I laugh every time Ryan Dunn gets um uh, hit and then he stumbles and then like hits full on into the he fence hits the and wall he's just trying there. to jump out, yeah. And then Bam gets off and it's like, it just like bolts, nothing comes out. of Chris Ponies gets his leg hit and then all of a sudden he looked at Johnny and goes, Hold hold on a second, he goes, Hold on a second. There's a bull. Like, what do you mean? Hold on. He escapes and then Johnny just completely gets wrecked by this bull at the end. Uh it I've watched that that moment probably twenty times in my life just so well. I think it's just a brilliant moment. So good job, Jake. If I was hosting, you have a real good shot of winning this week.
5: Is- uh Scott. You're 32. I oh okay. I was gonna say I have nothing to add on this. Um all right, let's let me steer this back towards high art. Um my 32 is my love, my life from Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Um this is such a moving scene, honestly. Uh and you know, ABBA's music, I think, is very emotional in general i think that's one of the best qualities about it why it's drawn in so many people because it's just not afraid to be just effervescent about whatever emotion um it wants you to feel and a lot of times you know they have a lot of joyful songs and we certainly get that throughout both of the mamma mia films but um there are some you know slower you know more ballad-esque songs and this is one of them and uh this scene happens at the end of the movie when um they basically sort of uh compare um when the young donna which is lily james is having um sophie christened as a baby um with sophie doing the same thing for her child that has just been born and obviously we know that donna has died that's meryl streep's character we learned that early on in this movie um and so this turns into the sort of dream sequence of a, of a sort where, again, we start off with Lily James and she like goes down the aisle of the sort of church and like looks down in this reflecting pool where her child is going to be christened and then the, her reflection changes and it's Meryl Streep and it like, you know, pans back up and now we have Sophie, the older Sophie, Amanda Seyfried, um, you know, having this moment where, um, she is getting to you know quote unquote see her mother like in the same way you know again it's contrasted with the moment it's compared with the moment from so many years ago when she did the same with her daughter so there's that lovely juxtaposition and just the fact that it's Meryl Streep right we haven't seen her for the whole movie but like just her presence carries so much weight just because it's Meryl Streep and then when you factor in you know what's happened with the character um just when we see her there, it's like an emotional moment, um, just her being revealed. And and it's just, it's so touching seeing them sing, sing to each other. Um, and it's, you know, my love my life, it's a beautiful song. Um, and, you know, eventually um, it's kind of Sophie moving on from the death of her mother in the end, mm-hmm. um, and moving on to her new life with the new, you know, hotel, her child, family, um, And so it's a a wonderful bit of closure. Although if they want to make a third Mamma Mia, I'm not going to say no. I'm definitely not going to say no. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's it's such a good movie. Like, honestly, this moment just um, is a perfect emotional note that rewards you for all of the other sort of joyful scenes. And obviously the Dancing Queen scene is really good, too. But this one, like, I have legitimately gotten chills watching this scene before, which is crazy to say about this movie. But it's so good.
0: This scene's fine. It doesn't really move the needle for me. I'd say that uh, if you're going to pick a scene, I'd say either "Dancing Queen" or the. I really like the "Waterloo" scene for me. That's that's kind of the the best number in the movie. I know that's the number that made Cody walk out of the movie, but that's just that's the number that kind of tells you what kind what the movie's going to be. And it's that wasn't a Cody movie, and that's okay. Uh, but everybody else on uh, this scene from Here We Go Again, I know Cody didn't see this scene because he walked As out. soon
1: as Waterloo happened, my wife said, you can go if you want to. Listen, thank God I picked her up after. I've heard it's better than the first one, but I ain't seen the first one either. It is, so. it
2: is you, better than the this first one. Yeah,
1: first Having
3: just watched the first one like a week ago or two weeks ago, I don't know. Uh, I'm excited to watch this one because I didn't hate the first one. But uh no, I haven't seen this one yet.
2: oh Jake? Um yeah, I've seen this one. Uh I'm just not really the biggest fan of Mamma Mia. Like it's this just not a movie that I really like connect or really have any interest or get much entertainment from. Um I do like the scene though and the parallels between uh, between Seyfried and and Maelstrip. All Lily Jones, I guess, in this case. Uh, it's done really well. Um yeah, just not really my thing. Sure.
3: Uh Jack, you're thirty one. All right, my thirty-one. It's my name is Gladiator from
1: Gladiator. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> yep. Tony, uh, mine is I drink your milkshake. There will be I had blood. This earlier. No one else.
2: Oh man! <laughs> I had a I hoping... This is a late uh, exclamation. From
1: oh, Spider-Man. just too many Spider-Man scenes. Um. Yeah.
0: Scenes, let's be real. You're a jackass. Okay. Anyways, um, uh, <laughs> I, I don't really go around kicking my friends in the nuts and filming it and calling that five major motion.
1: You've been in the room with Koho. You should have kicked him in the nuts a couple times. Okay. Anyways, here we go.
0: I did one um me because I was gonna eat his Swiss roll. That's a. Tr- okay. Anyways,
1: um, <laughs> I really don't care about the Kingsman. I uh, mean, um. Uh, P.T.A. I I want to I want to be I want to put this on the record. I do not hate Paul Thomas Anderson. I don't. I hate half of his movies, but the other movies I actually love, and this is one of them that I absolutely love. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis in this movie, it's my fourth favorite winner to win best actor. This is, he's the clear fourth for me. I think he's absolutely incredible to see. And the ones, did we talk about the baptism? We talked about the baptism scene, right? We had a very popular, we loved baptisms in this, um, a lot of, of, (laughs) we talked about a lot of baptism scenes. But this scene um, I love that scene, but this scene is, I think, the best scene in the movie for me. And I, I hate that it's been memed at this point of the, like, I drink your milkshake because it's, like, a ridiculous thing. But when he's coming, like, and basically putting Paul Dana like, down into the in the scene and just, like, screaming at him and, like, going through the motions and, you know, at the end of the film. If you haven't seen it, I don't know if it's just, like, a highly, like... Watched movie like I know in this community a lot of people really like it, so I don't want to sell too too much of it. But his acting in this scene is absolutely incredible. The rage that he's able like the I wouldn't I don't know if it's a rage is what I would call it, but like where he's able to like take the conversation and like do the classic like get him and I drink your oh, milkshake. I think it's just brilliant. I think the scene is absolutely one of the best. Like. <laughs> I understand why it's memed, because his you know his vein and his forehead sticking out, he's screaming, he's throwing shit. Uh it's a, it's a brilliant scene, but I drink your milkshake. Uh go ahead, Jack.
3: Yeah, no, this scene is fantastic. Uh Daniel Day Lewis is I I I couldn't uh I, I couldn't add too much uh to this to what's been said about this scene daniel day lewis is fantastic he absolutely deserves his oscar uh this scene and the baptism scene both prove that but it's when he's uh it's like yes it's the uh the the there's great moments in the scene like when he's when he screams i drink your milkshake to paul dano but it's when he's uh he's just sitting there, looking at Paul Dano, saying, say it again, when he keeps making him repeat, God is a superstition, I am a false prophet. Uh, he's like, can't hear you in the back, say it louder. And like, where he's just toying with Dano at that point. Uh, I love this moment so much. Uh, it was, it's one of my favorite films I got to see for film studies in high school, and I watch this scene often. Uh, definitely one of the best best actor winners out there.
0: Yeah, you guys pretty much covered it. Great scene, great confrontation between these two characters and really while he's he, Plainview is in a broken state and he's essentially bringing Dano down to his level revealing that pretty much nothing is going to matter for him anymore and I think that's a great moment it's, Phenomenal acting from Day Lewis, but Dana. That scene doesn't work if Dano isn't working off him as well. So great acting from both. Uh, Jake Scott. Why did this miss for you?
2: This was uh, a late exclusion. I really wanted. To, it was on my list for the longest time, and then I just had to include a scene where Green Goblin. Uh, kills a bunch of people pumpkin bombs. So you know, just you know, there's just some things you have to like, make you know, tough choices on. Um, but this is a fantastic scene. I love there will be blood. Obviously, um, I love the scene. I love the whole ending behind it and just what how uh, playing with you sort of just gets. Eli to just admit the worst thing that he could possibly say as a Christian, just the whole idea of I'm a false prophet, God is a superstition, and then just admits that yeah, there is no oil there. It's a whole thing called drainage, and that whole sequence is great. And yeah, Day Lewis is a fantastic actor. I mean, the the baptism scene is really when he like when he, when he wins the Oscar and shows like why he is fantastic. But I really love him in in this ending. Um, yeah, and I just love the fact that it just ends with him saying I'm finished. Like it's great, it's perfect, it's an awesome ending.
5: Yeah, Dave Lewis is my number one performance of all time, so pretty much any scene that he's involved with in this movie is, you know, could be top 100. For me, I chose the, the I've been in my child scene, and we talked about that earlier. It's kind of like, you know, obviously you think of both of those scenes when you think of this movie, and sure, I could have put both of them on my list, but it's like, it's the same sort of thing because they're like... Mirror image scenes of each other in a way. So, um, I it really only felt like, well, do I really want to take up two spots with these two scenes or can I just sort of talk about one? So
2: that's the reason it didn't make my list, but obviously it's you know brilliant.
0: All hey, right, uh, JQ31, uh, my number
2: 31, it's a little bit of a spoiler. So if you have any interest, then uh, uh mute or don't listen. Uh, but it is the Wonder sequence from Mommy. So if you haven't seen this movie, just giving me a heads up right now. Three, two, one. Okay. So this whole movie, Xavier Dolan, I'm a big fan of him, and he loves making movies about mother and uh, son relationships. This is his magnum opus, in my opinion. Uh, Diane has a son named Steve who has ADHD. He's really aggressive. He gets into trouble a lot. Um, and this whole sequence is finally there being... Finally, things are going right. The whole movie is presented... In a one by one aspect ratio it is a box and during the scene oasis's is Wonderwall plays and as Steve is skating on the street he opens his arms out and the entire aspect ratio goes out and finally you can just breathe a sigh of relief everything's starting to make sense it's three characters of Diane Steve and uh, and Kyla uh, who's teaching who's basically home homeschooling uh, Steve and trying to get his education better and it's just finally things are making right. Things are making sense and things are getting better for them. Diane is has a job, she's got cleaning houses, Steve is getting better with his education, and, and Kyla is starting to speak, but she has a stutter, and she's finally being able to kind of and more of an introvert and is finally being more of herself. And things just finally are just making sense for these characters. And this is like a good like 30-40 minutes in. And as everything starts to go right, Diane gets a letter from the school and she's getting, she's being sued by one of the uh, parents of a kid who Steve had burnt in a fire. Um, and as that, as she reads the letter, the aspect ratio goes back to the one by one and things up just back to being miserable in the reality that they're in uh, an absolutely fantastic uh, sequence. I think just the fact that like "Wonderwall" is a great song, but I'd never really seen it used in a movie before. And the fact that you know this is like an art film essentially, the fact that it uses a popular song like "Wonderwall" is completely unexpected, um, and just really well done and executed in a way that I've just ne- had never seen before. Like Dolan really uh, uh, likes playing with the aspect ratio. He did that in a movie he did called "Tom at the Farm," which I highly recommend. But in this scene, is like just. The emotional resonance of it, I think, is really powerful. And finally, you just feel good for these characters. Uh you are mute.
0: I'm muted. Anyway, uh here's Wonderwall. Uh I think that Wonderwall is <laughs> I got a reaction backstage from that one. Shut up, bitch! <laughs> Anyway, here's one roll. Uh I think that this scene is really great. It kind of it, it made me want to watch a movie, which is why I was a little bummed that you said that like this was a spoiler because I actually really like this scene. Uh so I'm a little bum it spoils the movie for a little bit, but I, I'm not one usually too affected by spoilers. Uh so I think I'll still enjoy it. But yeah, uh I really like this sequence. Uh has anyone else here seen the movie?
3: No, yeah. but if it's the movie I'm thinking of, it's been highly recommended by someone I went to high school with. Uh, so I'm very excited to watch it. I just have to actually watch it. <laughs> that was aggressive. I'm sorry, Jack.
0: Uh,
3: Scott, you it's
0: okay, you're last. Uh, All right. uh this is it's long it.
5: This was a previous yikes, it's the listening booth scene from oh, before
2: sunrise. Right. That was uh on my list, that was my, that was was on my list, yeah. Yeah, Um, you know,
5: one of the most romantic scenes from the most romantic trilogy, the best trilogy, in my opinion, of all time. Um, And there's not a word spoken in the scene. Um, It's just Jesse and Celine having gone into this record store, seeing that there's a little listening booth and they decide to listen to, I don't even remember whose record it is, Um, but they're listening to this song okay and um they are basically just standing very close to each other because it's a very you know uh, small area and the whole scene is sort of them listening to the song but also like looking at each other but then trying to hide the fact that they're looking at each other from the other person and it's just a perfect encapsulation of like when you are first you know falling for someone and you know um that intimacy that they have there, but also like the shyness that they still have because they're, they don't know each other so well yet. And so um, they're trying to sort of pl- be coy about it. Right. They don't, they're feeling out the situation. They're not like trying to dive all in, but at the same time, this is also the moment where um, they start to realize that, Oh, maybe this is like, this could be something more than just a, uh you know, one night stand so to speak like that maybe there's something like meaningful but also at the same time kind of scary that's going on here uh because of how close they feel to each other in this scene and and you know of course ethan hawk and julie delphi are doing tremendous work with just their faces and everything in this scene um, but there, there are a lot of moments like this in the trilogy where you know a look or a gesture conveys so much that's what makes the the trilogy so brilliant among many other things uh, but this is kind of the one that that sets it off and um when you know you're watching something really special um not just as a film but watching a special relationship um,
2: develop as well um yeah and i had this at number when i have that sorry bear with me uh 58 um yeah I love it for pretty much the exact same reasons as I has been saying um just the 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 eye play I guess you could say the way they just sort of get glimpses of each other I do think is done so well Celine is like just a little bit more subtle at it than Jesse. um and also the song yeah come here by Kath Bloom uh really well done and just like totally works for the scene um but just it's just the fact that it's so simple and it's like um in, in its presentation and execution and the way they're just getting like glimpses at each other, I think is really done well. And sort of like starts sort of intimate sort of connection that the two characters have. Um, It's my favorite scene from the trilogy. There are many great scenes, but this is my favorite by far. Uh,
0: Yeah, uh, this, this is a solid scene. I think this is a great way to do like romantic tension between two characters of like, they're clearly interested in each other, but they're trying to like figure out what this is. I think you described it perfectly, Scott. Yeah, great scene. Uh, Scott, Jack, or not Scott, Cody, Jack. Uh,
3: this scene almost made my list. Uh, I've said before that I'm hit and miss on uh, Linklater so far. This one's a hit for me. I do really enjoy, uh, enjoy this film. Uh. It, Almost made the list, so I'm, I'm glad it made Scott's and Jake's a so good pick. I
1: don't know. Again, I would have a really hard time deciding on a scene from these movies because of just how long, like, the, like it's just like a conversation between them mainly. I know there are scenes, but like, it, it feels cohesive. So I don't feel, I feel like I have to pick them, the movie almost. I can't pick just the scene because I've rewatched the scene and I was just like, I get it, but I don't I don't know if I would put it this high or even on my list because I just I don't know if there's better I wouldn't say there's better scenes, I just ones that stick out to me, I guess.
0: Valid. Well with that I think we're ready to take it home. So uh the the four lists, uh do I go last place to first or first to last? Is first to last? Okay. Uh first place is Cody. Uh, it was close. Scott almost snuck in at the end there, but I think Cody just didn't really have any misses, to be honest. Like, there were a few scenes like Room of the Titans where it's like, that's not really my pick from that movie, but there's nothing really bad that I could say about any of the scenes on his list. Uh, all good scenes. Second place, Scott. Scott was close behind there. I also, uh, I think really just there were scenes that I just, like, auditioned for Mahal and Drive, was just eh, And I wasn't really able to speak on Phoenix too much. So just not quite as many. But the the stuff that was good was good. Uh, Third place is Jack. Jack uh, had some good scenes in there. But he also had like the Logan scene. What? Jake got robbed. Uh-huh. Uh, sorry Jake you had a bad week I don't I don't think the outcome would have been that different had Kirk been here at least <laughs> for how your list would have gone honestly Kirk probably would have been a little more aggressive about the jackass teams if we're being realistic so honestly thank. You. Uh, he threatened yeah, I, to let him not talk after that. So yeah. So
2: right think, actually, thank God that Kirk wasn't on for this week because I probably he would have banned me like right away if I started talking about it. it
0: yeah, I mean it's probably going to affect your overall list, but you're you're Honestly, all if the jackass,
2: if The two jackass scenes, and I guess kind you're of the scene are the only reason. Anyway, I'm we're going to wrap it up. Uh,
0: so I, I'm sorry, I'm getting the signal from the person backstage. I don't give a shit
4: who he is.
0: He does not. He can leave anytime he'd like. Okay, well I'm sorry, I was I don't uh, do I don't do a rush show for any reason at all. Well I was getting the signals, so I'm your producer, so anyway, thank you to to thank you to Cody, thank you to Jake, thank you to Scott, thank you to everyone for watching. This has been multiplex your list sucks. Thank you, and good night.
1: intimidate me i'm entitled to my opinion
4: drunk get angry come on break the lousy cup ow i hurt my arm and i'd expect everybody to see
0: everybody i'm going there soon you know is that so where you going uruguay well you go uruguay and i'll go mine